picture inspired me in that. And a lot of this is from the original. I know we wasn't here last week to talk about that. But I do I do love the clips. I do love the attitude. I do love how he is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I think that stuff works super well. But then you get to pretty much all the characters in this movie that aren't uh, uh, Spider-Man or Gwen Stacy. And I don't really like anybody here. Like, uh, Jamie Foxx as Electro is so cartoony and so, I think, all over the place in terms of his motivation and the weirdness of it and him being this guy that, you know, just wants attention and just wants to, uh, just wants the world to know he exists. I think it is such a, like, a thin, a thin level of motivation for that character that makes it nearly impossible for me to, to believe when it comes to his motivations of why he is Electro. And then you get to Harry Osborn, and I think Harry Osborn has some potential there in terms of his motivations and him wanting to be good, but I do think that they get there, or at least they, they try to get there too quickly in a way that just doesn't feel like it uh, evolves naturally. And so even that stuff, I, I, that's, that stuff I don't like either. Um, yeah, like, I, I, I think the biggest, the biggest step back for me with this movie is that it feels like a movie that was written by a marketing committee as opposed to, like, having, like, screenwriters and people that, act, that actually have a vision for Spider-Man. This feels like a movie that exists because Sony wanted to get their marketing off, and they wanted to market, like, Sony visual Dolby shit, or, like, they wanted to, like, get some Sony artists on the soundtrack, or they wanted to, like, you know, uh, uh, you know get that big New York budget going. Like, it, it feels like a movie that is made purely out of marketing, and I think that comes through a lot in, like, even the action scenes where... There's some, there's some, uh, some inspired stuff there. Like, you you point out, like, the web shoot is breaking. And I think those ideas are there, but a lot of the action sequences remind me of even uh, some of what we talk about with Transformers, where it is like, oh, there's just way too much going on on screen and nothing has focus. And the action sequences in this movie, movie oftentimes I am like, all right, like, I, I see the vision, I see how you get there, but the A to B to C don't line up in terms of the choreography and framing of what is happening in these action sequences for me to actually believe in a lot of the action. And for me, I feel like that that, that is kind of the last straw of, like, the amount of things falling flat in this movie to make me go, well, yeah, there's not really anything for me here. I think the only thing for me here is watching Spider-Man be Spider-Man, and even that, I think, they only get right momentarily. F.C. Carboni. As you all know, this is the only Spider-Man movie that previous to this series I have only watched once. Mm. I saw it one time. I said, okay, Mm -hmm. I don't need that anymore. We're done. We're good. (laughs) Gentlemen, Mm. this movie fucking slaps. Thank you. Gentlemen, this movie actually fucking owns. I was not... I was not in a frame of mind. I was not in an emotional state to receive what Amazing Spider-Man 2 was giving me back in the day. And everything y'all have said is right. This movie is messy. This movie is messy with characters. This movie is messy with battles. There's some things in here that are cheesy as fuck. This movie fucking slaps. I don't think there's a single Spider-Man movie where the relationships between characters and the emotions between characters feel this strong. I think Mark Webb was a little out of his depth last time around. He was partnered with a different DP. He didn't know quite what he was doing on a movie that size. And I think on this one, he was feeling it. He had the confidence. He knew what he wanted to do. Mm. There's some Sony interference, as there always is. But the, mo- the things that Mark Webb knew he loved about Spider-Man and he knew that he loved about these characters, he got so right in this movie that I think the only time I've seen stories of these characters done as right was maybe Spider-Man PS4. 
I'll tell you what, you bring up a good point, Anthony. You say it's messy. You know what else is messy? Banana split. Who doesn't like banana split? <laughs> 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 baby, it's, baby, it's messy out there. Sometimes you're in love, you've got to go to Oxford. Drink every time she says Oxford. Don't do it. You'll die. I do agree in terms of the relationship between uh, Peter and Emma Stone and or Gwen Stacy and Peter and Aunt May. I think that is yes. the movie actually absolutely does nail. Like I don't think they're. I think you're right in terms of Wait. And, Aunt Aunt May, the waitress or Aunt May, the nurse in training. <laughs> Why did they put her in there? Why did everybody got a secret identity, baby? Everybody. <laughs> there's all that at the end of the movie. The family's got secrets, Nick. So many planes of action happening at the end of this movie. Not to, I mean, no pun intended, by the way, because the two planes heading toward each other, I couldn't give you ten Why was that there? <laughs> I'll tell you why it was there. I'll tell you why it was there. Because in the first one, when the lizard releases lizard gas on everybody, mm-hmm. he does it once with one can, and that's it. And then all of a sudden, we're saving the city. And I remember watching last week's movie and being like, "Is the whole city in danger? Really? Like, what is going? Like, what's going on? How's everybody doing?" I think they were just trying to show, like, hey. They were trying to up the stakes. Yeah, we right. really need to show you that New York is in trouble. There are people in trouble here. And Aunt May just going, like, it's. I mean, they just did Sally Field so dirty on this one, where they're just like, Sally, can you just run around this and act like you're taking care of people? And then when the lights come back on, she goes, okay, everyone, lights are back on. Let's get to it. I'm like, you're a nurse in training. You're not telling anyone what to do here. I get yeah. that you're inspirational, but, like, I, I don't care about this. I care about the spider person swinging around fighting the electro person. That's what's yeah. cool about this movie. So, bless. Mm-hmm. I want you to now unveil your rankings so far cool. of the Spider-Man movies, of the original trilogy and the Mark Webb duology. And I'm ranking, I'm ranking them in the same list, right? All in one list. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One list. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to start at the top with my number one because I think that's going to make this more interesting. Uh, at number one, I have Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. At number two... Yes. I have Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1. Mm. At number 3, I have The Amazing Spider-Man. Then at number 4, I have Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. At number 5, I have The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's how much I don't like this movie. (laughs) That's how much you do not like this movie. Wow. 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 Anthony Carboni, please unveil to us your list of Spider-Men. I had a fucking crisis of faith last night with how much I liked Amazing Spider-Man 2. It shook me to my core. I'm so happy, you guys. It shook me to my... so validating to me. It shook me to my core. And granted, I'm still coming off the high of watching it for the first time and just just loving the moments that I loved. But right now, and this could change, right now my ranking is, number one, Spider-Man 2. Number two. The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I am so mad at myself that I cannot deny my heart. Wow. I, I cannot deny my heart. Number three is Spider-Man. Number four is The Amazing Spider-Man. And number five is Spider-Man 3. God bless you, Carboni. Wow. That's the energy I love to see. I'm literally... Everybody? I'm shocked you guys are putting two above one. Saying this, right I feel... Flipped around, but... Like a traitor to myself. Like, I just feel... It feels weird. And I'm... I'm getting comfortable with my identity. Please respect me during this fragile time. Okay? That's okay. all I'm going to say. Can you, do you need to pull your beanie down a little bit more, or does it need to go farther back on your head? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know. The old, the old me would have said maybe a little farther back, but now I like new things. I'm trying yeah. new stuff. The one thing this movie ranks high and higher on the list for me now because of this, just the sheer amount of beanie that's, that's available in this. At mm-hmm. one point, maybe like five or six scenes blessing, 
I was like, is that the Spider-Man, like, mask hanging out of his back? No, it's just sort of a, it's a red beanie. He's just a red beanie with him for no reason all the time. And I think there is a reason. I think it's because the line about doing the laundry and things turning red and blue or whatever, I, I think it was, like, to throw off so that it's not like, why wouldn't that man know immediately he's Spider-Man? It's like, because this motherfucker has a lot of red and blue beanies, and he's just putting them in the laundry. God, it was weird. Sorry, Bluff, I interrupted you. Uh, sorry, Alfred. No, one of the things that you like about this movie is the end credits song. Like the soundtrack of this movie does slap, even though I, the the usage of a lot of like pop music and a lot of like mainstream like hits in the soundtrack throw me off when the the uh, the score you song. When that comes, Philip Phillips. No, I had to look up who that was so I could be mad at them. When that when it came on and when it was a a montage of him, I forget what he was, it was him doing something non-consequential. Him doing something fucking like boring as fuck and this song comes on. I'm like, why, what is happening right now? That's when he's putting together, he's putting together all of the lines with all the characters. Oh, it's worse than that. It's worse than being ineffectual. This is his paranoid conspiracy board that he's putting together and he's putting together his paranoid conspiracy board to this Philip Phillips song. Yeah. Here's what's fun about that. I put Imagine Dragons, even though while I was watching, I looked it up, and I was like, I don't know what Philip Phillips is. I'm just going to put Imagine Dragons in there. That song was, was so terribly placed. It's it Mumford so and Dragons and Sun and Phillips. But I, I do want to give... Scene, that scene is immediately followed up. That montage with the licensed song is immediately followed up with another uh, montage with Kid Cudi. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's just so fast. <laughs> I, I kind of like that scene, though. But and also, and I like, I mean, speaking of things that we like, right? I, I do like the um, end credit song being Kenneth Lamar, Alicia Keys, and it's a song original yeah. to this movie. And if there is a reason I like that this, this movie, movie exists, it is the existence of this song, because this song is a slapper, and Kendrick Lamar was all the way in his Duffy for this song. But it is the choices of, like, the Kid Cudi and, like, the Philip Phillips songs and, like, shit like that in the in the movie that makes me go, Man, this feels like a movie that needed to exist because some, some somewhere in Sony they're like, hey, we need a Spider-Man movie because like that's gonna do gangbusters, and we need to throw all our shit in there to like market it and get that budget up to like you know make make this a thing as opposed to anybody actually having like some sort of vision to it. Um, and like that 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 for me brings it back dramatically because it's so noticeable to me. It's like seeing blatant product placement, which I think there is in this movie too. I forget exactly oh, yeah. where, but I swear to God, there's like multiple places where I was like, did you need to market this here? Um, but I, a lot of that is oh, – I, I think there is a saving grace of the moments where it is Aunt May talking to Peter Parker and being like, I raised you. Like, you, like you're still fixated on your parents, but I'm, I'm, like, I'm the one that raised you. Like, those moments, I do I, – I totally get where you guys are coming from in terms of, you know, how well the movie touches that and how well the movie, like – I think really nailed how the these how these characters interact with each other and what the relationships are and how that elevates the whole thing. I Can I tell you something though? Yeah. I, I think as much as it's as much as it's easy to say that the licensed music is, is product placement, and I think it probably is in a couple places. I looked at during the credits and I was like, I wanna see who's on Sony BMG and I wanna yeah. see who's on a different label. Um there were a few songs that were on a different label and I've gotta say the two that were on a different label, which means either Mark Webb or the music supervisor wanted those those songs for those moments. Number one is Song for Zula when Peter's walking across traffic to see Gwen, and I was like, that's a fucking moment. It it's worked. a moment from a Mark Webb, like, romantic totally. indie film, but it works for Peter and Gwen in this moment. Mm-hmm. And a story um, about that from the scene, uh, from real life. So do I. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. A taxi, like, rolled over his ankle and, like, broke his foot. Yeah. He had, a, he had a Dustin Hoffman, I'm walking here moment. Um, 
But uh, the other one is Philip Phillips. Somebody really wow, just wanted they Philip Phillips that. vaccine. Yeah. Cool. Just. That's so cool. Now, the one thing that I do want to bring up about music before we move on from this this part is, uh, and, and bless, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna bring this up. I'm going to like for us to show you, you have to go find it yourself. But bless, you have to Google this and try to find it. Mm-hmm. But in 2014, when this movie came out, it was announced that Pharrell was going to be doing some music on it. So of course, one Nick Scarpino, who was working on Up at Noon, uh, Janet at the time, came up to me and was like, Tim. Pharrell's making the music for Spider-Man. Do you think it's going to sound exactly like the song from Despicable Me? And I was like, are you talking about the Because I'm Happy, like that song? I remember this video. So Nick literally spent one afternoon, like one lunchtime, walking into the recording booth and making up on-the-fly lyrics to the to the tune of I'm Happy, just because I'm Spidey. (laughs) I forgot that you motherfuckers were behind that video. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. So go like find I don't out yourself. Want people to like me, blessing. It's like I'm like repelling people. Every oh God. Yeah. Oh yes. Thank you, Barrett. Thank oh, you. I, I, should I, I don't know yeah. if I should play it. Oh, okay. Sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Look at that. You. Yeah, hold on. I need to change this window really quick over here. Where did that go? Look at this hat on Pharrell. Yeah, I remember when Pharrell's wearing that hat. Yeah. yeah. He really was wearing that hat. Yeah. Dude, this like is a, dude, Greg, like Miller Miller Greg Miller still couldn't grow a beard at that point. In time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah I, don't know, I literally think he didn't have a beard until last year because he couldn't. This is Pharrell Look at that has recorded thing. a song from the movie Hot Off his hit single, Happy. Now, we sent our producer, Nick Scarpino, to Pharrell's studio to bring us the first listen. Are you ready, Up at Noon fans? Yeah! Here it is. Greg's wait, play goes because Greg has a great drop in here. Keep playing it. Like it's he he said he swings from a rope. Like (laughs) (laughs) why, Nick? Oh, bless you. Fucking bless oh, you, Swings from a rope. <laughs> Blessing at AOE Junior, you had a very long day of kind of funny content. Hours and hours of stuff. So we are going to excuse you from the, the plot of this review. Thank uh, you. But before you go, uh, do you have any, any final thoughts, any things you want to say? Uh, I'm glad they didn't make a third one. Wow. <laughs> That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with you. And while he says that, bless, we'll talk to you later. And let yes. me give you a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Purple. There are tons of gimmicks that promise a great night's sleep right now, but it doesn't matter how heavy that weighted blanket is. If you're sleeping on a terrible mattress, your sleep will be terrible. That's why I recommend sleeping on a Purple mattress because only Purple mattresses have the Gel Flex Grid. And if you haven't experienced this, oh boy, do you need to change your life. It's a super stretchy, ultra squishy material that adapts and flexes around pressure points and it doesn't retain heat. And I can attest to that. I have the pillow as well. And I never 
even need to flip to the cold side because both sides are always the cold side and it is fantastic. Getting a great night's sleep starts with having a great mattress. Get a purple mattress. Go to purple.com slash kindoffunny10 and use code kindoffunny10 for a limited time. You can get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash kindoffunny10. Code kindoffunny10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash kindoffunny10. Promo code kindoffunny10. Terms apply. Next up, shout out to ExpressVPN. Are you using the internet without ExpressVPN? If so, why? That's like checking your baggage at the airport without a lock. You think your stuff is private, but you never know who's going through your underwear. And that's nasty. When you go online without a VPN, your ISP can see all your internet activity and they can legally sell it to people who use your data to target you. But ExpressVPN encrypts and anonymizes your data so your ISP can't see your activity. It's super easy to use. Literally, you just click one button. Plus, it works on all kinds of devices, your laptop, your phone, but also things like your router and it can protect anyone on your network. I use ExpressVPN. I love ExpressVPN. I know that my internet is safe and honestly, that makes me feel a lot better day to day. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash kindoffunny and you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash kinda funny. And finally, shout out to Upstart. What would you do if you didn't have high interest loans or credit card debt? Upstart can help you get out from under your debt and start living your life again. Upstart is the fast and easy way to get a personal loan all online. Upstart looks at more than just your credit score at your current employment and credit history to find your smarter loan rates. You can even check your rate in just five minutes for loans between $1,000 and $50,000. Uh, one of my really good friends had debt in a whole bunch of different places and was able to use Upstart's consolidate in one place, just make it a lot simpler, and now he's debt-free. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash kindoffunny. That's upstart.com slash kindoffunny. Don't forget to use this link to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and other information provided in your loan application. Upstart.com slash kindoffunny. And now, Bear's going to figure this out. We're going to get to the plot. Yeah, you think you think you would rather Blessing would rather they make a third one of these or take away the third Spider-Man from the Raimi series? Which one do you think mm. you'd rather? If you could That's wave a magic wand, probably say, take away the third one, right? I know. I Bless liked the third one. He really did. Four years he old. Ranked, he ranked it three. higher. Oh, he yeah. ranked it higher than Amazing Spider-Man. Someone too, slack so. him. Yeah, I know he's gone, but someone slack. I need an answer. Oh wait, oh wait. But that was. But that's more about. This is more about. Does he think adding a third to this one would make it better yeah. or worse? Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I think adding. I. I personally, after watching last night, I think. I think. They should have given Mark Webb a third movie. Oh, I mean, absolutely. There's so much potential, but, like, yeah, this movie, I mean, this movie's set a lot up, for sure. Here's, here's the thing. Do we, I don't think the third movie would have been any better than this movie. No, I would have watched it. Yeah. I mean, you know what, guys? years later, we would have watched it again. Here's what I'm happy about. We're about to get the third movie, and it's going to be made by Marvel Studios, and it's just going to touch on a little thing here and a little thing there, but I'm totally fucking okay with that, because we're about to get Andrew Garfield back, the best goddamn Spider-Man we've had so far in this rewatch. He's so fucking good, man. He's so fucking good. And in this one, he's just, he's so fucking good. Nick, everybody, yeah. everybody is so fucking good in this movie, except for Jamie Foxx, who's yeah. done dirty. Except for the exceptions. Nick Serpina, hit us with the plot. Okay, hold on. I'm going to put this up right here. Ladies and gentlemen. Wait, I didn't even know we were back. 
Spider-Man. I love you so much. The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Tim, please tell me if you can't hear this, because I'm going to try to whisper y'all this as loud as humanly possible. He lied to me. He lied to me. He lied to me. What the fuck were they thinking? So, here's Junkie XL, baby. Hans Zimmer, dude, fucking going hard. Yo, he's so proud of this song. Hans Zimmer performs this at every live show he does. Like, really? this is this is part of his, like, suite. This is part of, this is the thing that he's all about. Because That's this so German. So it was it was one of the the first times that they like pushed the technology forward of surround music recording. So it, it is like when God, I am so happy you guys didn't need to experience this the way I did because this is one of the rare times I'm like, yo, surround sound, not how you want to listen to this. It is terrifying. You just hear it from all fucking angles surrounding you, and I'm like, I don't like this. Stop this. It sounds horrible. I don't have Getty's level sound, but I've got surround in my place, and like, yeah, I was. It, man, it's weird to see them like be like, you know, the thing that everybody loves about these movies is the Jekyll and Hyde whispers mm-hmm. that we do. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves them. Is there a way to make them musical? More for oh, this movie had a musical <laughs> element. That is just like Spider-Man Three. You got to But no, not as many musical numbers as Spider-Man not as Three. Not as many. It's it was just an interesting choice. Now I will say, too, well, while we're touching on the music, Tim, I think you nailed it. What's good is good, and what's bad is just. Sticks out like a sore thumb bad, and that's both the music and the composition. But I will say, I'll disagree with everyone a little bit because I like Electro's theme. I like that use of that big, deep electric bass drop that they do. Mm-hmm. It's the I don't like when it starts playing the Itsy Bitsy Spider, which is weird. <laughs> oh, I like that. It's do weird. you really? I fucking hate that. So, okay, go for it. No, uh, the, the reason I like it is because it, it reminds me of what I like about this movie, which is it reminds me a lot of the Ultimate Spider-Man comics and Spider-Man cartoons, where it's just like there are villains everywhere. You got guys like Rhino that are just dudes, but then that, that Spider-Man's actually fighting, which we've never seen in any movie up till this point, where it's just he's just fighting a, like, evil dude, right? Mm-hmm. Like, normally we're getting him up against, like, the already super-powered people or, or whatever. So I like the fact that there is as many villains as there are. I wish they were flushed out better or whatever, but I like how Rhino's handled, where it's like from the get-go, it's like, yo, this is over-the-top cartoon. I love how the music is like a cartoon, where it's just, like, the score goes from being nice and quiet, like the, the first movie's little, like, nicer, intimate 90s adventure movie scenes, to, like, the over-the-top overdriven guitar and shit for, like, the bad guys coming in. And I like when we get to the Electro fight, that feels like a cartoon moment in live action, and I, I think it works through that lens. I just think that often it goes a little too far, or it happens a couple too many times, or, like, there's some element where I'm like, oh, okay, you, you ruined what was good about this. Is this. What, it's funny, yeah. though. This is what Nick, is, Nick meant, I think, earlier when he said it gets a little rainy at points. Like... Yeah. It gets a little too stylized for the too stylized for the rules of the world that it's set up already. But it's yeah. funny because Mark because Mark Webb I, and and I forget the name of the cinematographer for this. I think they did a really really good job for the most part. There's two shots that really stick out in my brain on this one. One is when I'm like I I, I don't remember it the first time I watched it, but this one I was like, well, that is so cool. It's when Spider-Man's sitting outside of a building and Electro's like talking to him through a building, mm-hmm. and it's just his face. And it's just the shot of Dolly in on Spider-Man as he's seeing this magnificent thing in front of him that's also terrifying. That's cool. And then, of course, we have the 500 Days of Summer, like, indie shot at the at the cemetery where it's like, well, let's go through all the seasons right now. But it's, like, beautiful. It's well shot. Yeah. You know? Dude, the, so the Chinatown shot. The Chinatown scene mm-hmm. where they're talking, I was just like, oh, 
oh, just just regular scenes in a Spider-Man movie can look good now? Yeah. We're not just saving it all for the web-slinging? This is an emotional look, moment, so it gets look to look fake, good? Like it's on a back lot somewhere? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the cinematographer for this one, uh, Nick, was Dan Mendel, who... Oh, uh, Dan Mendel, okay. He did yeah, all of J.J. Abrams stuff. Yeah, he does a lot of J.J. Abrams, starting with, like, Mission Star Impossible Trek. 3. He did yeah. Star Trek, but he also did, like, John Carter. He did uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. He did Rise of Skywalker. He's, a, he's really good. DP. He's really good. And when you look at him compared to uh, the DP from the first one, who also has a lot of great stuff, uh, it's John Schwartzman. And John Schwartzman has also done, like, a lot of fucking stuff. He did Jurassic World. He did, yeah. uh, he did, he did the second night at the museum. He did Armageddon. You know, he's done a lot of Michael Bay stuff. Mm -hmm. But it explains why Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, is looks a little more like grounded and a little a little more I don't know I don't want to say boring but it looks like they didn't want to get as yeah more straightforward they didn't want to get as crazy with the action stuff Let's whereas like Mendel way. is not afraid there's a moment in this where they're hiding in a closet and there's still a lens flare happening in the closet did you notice mm. that oh yeah mm. that is very oh, and the, and the, love that scene and though. the little dashes of light that are like coming through oh, them that's so fun. I'm like, are, I, you on the, are you on the bridge of the Starship Enterprise or what? Who cares? Ladies and gentlemen, let's kick it off where all good stories should start with a D plot that I don't care about. Peter's dad kills a bunch of spiders with, floor, with chloride and then shuts down the lab and he can't delete all the files from Oscorp, so he just leaves. People Did you enjoy the watch, watch gear foreshadowing, Nicholas? Was that, um, was that too on the nose or not on the nose enough for you? I, you know, honestly, for a comic book, for a Spider-Man movie, I like stuff like that. Where I yeah. didn't appreciate is Gwen giving a 15 minute long speech about her own death and I'll tell you this right now <laughs> if at this point if I were Peter if someone was like hey I left you a message I'd be like don't leave me a message <laughs> don't. That's gonna, you're going to die if that happens so you know what's interesting about the, this speech there's a bunch of things but one is Gwen or not Gwen Emma Stone uh, wrote it <laughs> so that's one thing that's interesting uh, but another thing that's interesting is uh, Webb was doing an interview recently where people were like pestering him about No Way Home spoilers and he wasn't going to uh, do it but he was saying that the speech uh, wasn't about Gwen's death it's about Spider-Man's death and that was Gwen literally talking to Peter and yeah. like that when you think about it through that lens it's a lot less weird that the speech is what it is because if you're just a high school kid in love, like, think about that. You would totally, like, say some shit, think you're being slick, uh, talking to a whole crowd, but you're really talking to somebody. Yeah. And the fact that he wasn't there and she really wanted him to be there to hear it and all that stuff, mm -hmm. it adds up a little bit because the death was more about um, her dad. Yeah. I wish for you to become Hope. She's, like, talking to Peter for sure. That's fair. I get that. I get that. Doesn't make it great. But no, it does well, make it a little less bad. It, it's very twee, it's very Mark Webb, and it's in a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> it's just, it's weird that they also chose to use that sort of trope for two movies in a row. Yeah. Because remember, Uncle Ben leaves him a message in the first one. He's like, yeah, I will continue to be Spider-Man. Because he's like, you're my hero, Peter. Now please come back from the 7-Eleven. <laughs> it doesn't matter anyway. See, yeah. but the, so the other thing there, though, that I do kind of appreciate about this movie is something that we haven't seen for from the McGuire movies, and we haven't yet seen even from the MCU, uh, Peter. But it's a big thing about Peter and Spider-Man's character is how much he loses and how much he, no matter what is Spider-Man, but he keeps losing, keeps losing, keeps losing. And the two biggest phases are Peter losing Uncle Ben, but then Spider-Man losing Gwen. And I think mm -hmm. that, like, the fact that the, they both have those kind of symbolic moments that are tying into each other with the recorded messages in any shape and form, sure, it's a little on the nose for a 
like watching the movie. But I, I think that that's a key thing of just like to the character what this means for them. That makes sense. How about that? Yeah. Uh, we get we get a little recap of uh, them dropping Peter off at uh, old Uncle Ben and Aunt May's house as we go off. Uh, Mary, and then we catch up with Mary and Richard flying on that private jet life. Well, Richard uploads files to something called Roosevelt. Uh, he goes on a bio. But of course, uh, <laughs> our life as we know it is over. We're going to spend the rest of our lives looking over our shoulders. Thank God. We left our defenseless child with two very old people so that whoever is coming after us could keep him, like, just immediately kidnap him and use him as leverage against us. Thank God the multinational corporation that knows that only a specific blood can turn a spider into spider powers will never find our son. How would they know? How would they know? This part, this is why I hate this subplot. It makes no sense. Like, I mean, the only reason it exists, really, I mean, I'm sure there's a version of the script out there where it exists for, exists for a different reason, but it right. only exists in this finished product to somehow kind of make sense for Harry's plot of how he becomes Green Goblin, of, like, how the blood all works, and then it's tied to Richard's blood and all that stuff. Yeah. Not saying it's good, it's bad. Right. But, 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 this, but this thing, more than any other thing, and I was thinking about why, why don't I like it above and beyond the reasoning of... It feels it feels like very tacked on, and it feels like we're adding complexity to a movie that doesn't need complexity. Yeah. The thing that I really don't enjoy about it is it removes something from Peter's origin. It means Peter was supposed to become Spider-Man, and I don't like that. I like that Peter was a regular guy through an accident, was given great power, and has mm-hmm. to learn how to use it. This is his father setting him up to be the spidered man and i don't like it yeah it it's feels weird. weird it's very it's, and it also relies a lot of what we talked about last time which is like coincidence right it's a lot just, of coincidence it's a lot of coincidence and if i could cut this whole subplot out i, totally I super would. would i totally would and i do think there was a way to do this that i don't know it's i think they're solving one problem they're creating another problem i think tim's earlier point right which is like mm-hmm. it explains why not everyone can be spider-man but at the same time it's just it just feels very bloated and that's it is and the last quick thing I want to say is like this is based on comic storylines and mm-hmm. it's like the I think that this is something that I keep saying about these movies and I'm even worried about MCU Spidey with this is that because we've had these movies in such close succession they're scared to redo the things because the audience is gonna be like we just saw this or whatever so mm-hmm. they feel the need to dig into the deeper things that people didn't necessarily love yeah. I give him credit for it. I just think it's a swing and a miss, unfortunately. But what's not a miss is how epic, how epic this scene is. Holy crap! This is like an like this is like did Mark Webb shoot this or did was this a Christopher Nolan Inception scene? Because they're ping ponging around this thing. People are getting shot. Mary takes one in the gut. She's like, "Live for me, Richard. Upload the file, Richard." He uploads it once, stops once, pops. The guy ping ponging. The assassin, anyway. dude. The assassin, like when the plane goes down, like immediately reshifting his gravity to like launch off of. Yeah. And damn, Richard Parker can throw hands. Oh, he throws hands. He's like he's coming in like tie boxer style. I will. Shot, baby. I do love, um, I like the scene where the guy comes out of the cockpit and he starts washing his hands and there's just mm-hmm. that subtle look where he looks down and he's got blood on him. You're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and then, of course, the plane, right as he's able to uh, finish the upload, the plane falls into the Good camera. on that plane. That's great Wi-Fi. Well, you know, Sony Vio, they came with built-in. <laughs> oh, Sony Vio. Come on, bro. That's why, they, that's why they're the industry leader in laptops to this day. Um, I, can't send a, I can't send a fucking email on a plane with Wi-Fi. I pay $20. I can't even figure out how to buy the Wi-Fi on a plane. That's how stupid I am. 
Come on, man. Tim's like, you don't need it. I'm like, I think I do need it. He's like, just play with your ball. And he gives me a ball. And I, love <laughs> uh, I love, as, as epic and as stupidly ridiculous as this scene is, I got to tell you, to Tim's earlier point, there's some shit in here that just gets you unnecessarily hyped. There's this next shot, and then there's everything that happens before Halo. Hey, we'll just stop. I talk about this next shot real quick. Plane goes right into the camera, cuts to black. What are we wait, 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 before that, though, I'd like to just add to the brutality. Richard Parker dies with the thing around his neck choking him out. Like, yeah. It is so he looked, he looked unbelievably over, violent. He looks over at Mary Parker like, maybe I should try to die in her arms. And then he does, like, Campbell Scott does this thing where he, like, he kind of looks at the thing that's got him tied up, and he's like, fuck it, I die here. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. fucking so the line. But Nick, uh, please hit me with this. The camera goes to black. <laughs> and what do we see next, ladies and gentlemen? the Spider-Man logo, and you're thinking, oh, maybe we're back in that alleyway where someone decided to paint a 15-story spider logo on a brick wall. No, it's on the back of Peter's Spider-Man costume as he's falling through the sky. So cool. So cool. Uh, We fade back to the logo, and he's swinging, man. Swinging, man. I love the swing in this building. They figured it out. Mm-hmm. So the camera usage, right? In, in Amazing yeah. Spider-Man 1, we got the kind of first person. In this, we get that dope kind of helmet cam thing, and we, mm-hmm. we see his, like, suit rippling and stuff like, as he's flying through. God, I fucking love it. A fun fact about this clip, or about this intro. Uh, IGN has an uploaded version of the Amazing Spider-Man 2, the first 10 minutes, and it is the most viewed video by far on their YouTube channel. 204 million views mm. uploaded seven years ago. The second one has 80 million views. And I want to say I'm at least one million of those views. I fucking love this scene. That'd it's an great. insanely strong opening. And, you know, I think Mark Webb, we talked about last time, figured out that he wanted Peter to use his stickiness and the environment more, mm-hmm. right? And be more, do more spider stuff. And so we saw that. We're like, I've got a foot that's getting stuck on a pipe, but I'm going to use it to, like, wrench the pipe off. But the camera work didn't match. And when you add Dan Mendel to this, like, this mm-hmm. whole opening is like, oh, say what you want about Paul Giamatti. Say what you want about the oh. rhino. Oh, shit, man. Oh. This stuff with Peter and the plutonium and, like, the sticking, the one that gets away and he sticks it to his foot. I'm like, this is Spider-Man. Like, Spider-Man. it's, oh. That part is great, but when you say say what you want about Paul Giamatti, and I will hear Anthony because he's a he's just terrible in this movie, terrible across the board, and he does the one thing that I can't stand, where they just have him just saying random words at parts, and I'm like this is this is so he needed to be reined in so badly here because he comes off as like less than one dimensional. Yeah, um, who but I do, had who had in their head somebody in their head has to have the idea for what the rhino is. Yeah. And it's supposed to be Mark Webb. And clearly Mark Webb was just like, do what you feel, man. You're yeah. Paul Giamatti. Dude, you it, want an Oscar for freaking sideways. Let's go. If all three villains were dialed back like 20%, and if that 20% was replaced with like just slightly better writing, I think it would have been so good. Yeah. But well, like, I think we didn't get this right. I will say that out of all the things that like I wish we could have seen of like what the future of Spider-Man 4 could be or whatever, we were robbed of the Spider-Man Rhino fight, and I hope that one day we get to see it. Oh, we got enough of it at the end of this one. I'll tell you that right now. 
Oh, we're going to get to it. Oh, uh, I, heard no way, I heard No Way get... Home is 25 minutes of Paul Giamatti Rhino. Please. Oh, I hope. And you know what I hope? I hope the barbed wire tattoo on his forehead is just a little bit bigger, too. Got his rhino boxers? Oh, God. Um, this scene for how terrible Paul Giamatti is. And by the way, again, I'm not, I love Paul Giamatti. I love Billions. If you haven't watched Billions, please watch Billions. He's great in everything he is. He's just terrible in this movie, and I think he doesn't care. Uh, great line here. I only know him from the Jungle Cruise. Has he been in other stuff? Uh, um, one or two other things. Okay. Uh, I love this part where he's swing, uh, Spider-Man swinging, by the way, and someone says, Spider-Man, he goes, hello, pedestrian. Uh, and then we get a back to villain line. Oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> there's moments in this movie that are just so fun, and, and I'll say it, like, they have not been able to recreate, even in a Tom Holland Spider-Man. There's one part where he jumps up at the very, very end on, uh, well, first off, two parts that stick out. One, when he splashes uh, Electro, and it cuts over to him, and he's wearing the fireman's helmet. And then he goes, Bob, Big John, and Big they John. Like, and they high five. So fun. Like the guys know him. Like they're like, what's that fight? Yeah. Like, he, he's homies with the firefighters in New York. That is great. And I'll then there's the moment. This is number one for me. I gotta get back. Then there's the, there's the moment at the end where Rhino's sitting there and he goes, Jorge, like you're like, thanks for holding it down for me. I'll, I'll get that line. I wrote it down. And the fist and and pound. This time he goes, once you go, I'll take care of this guy. Once you go, take care of your mom. And then he jumps up on the cop car and someone just. Straight up tosses him the mic, and he grabs it, and he's like, all right. He swings it around, yeah. dude. Yeah. It's so fun. You want me and to come so, over there and fight you? <laughs> so good. Uh, uh, we're not there yet. I um, do, uh, I will say two things that are very strange to me in this entire scene. Well, three. One of them is just Jamie Foxx. But two things that are strange to me in this entire scene. Number one, the this, like, Booze Brothers-ass car pileup that happened. <laughs> And there's so many cop cars cars. that get piled up. There were like 23 cop cars. And then number two is the number of times they use the goddamn 60s Spider-Man Oh, it's so much. Hey, hey. In so many different ways. It doesn't exist in this world. Stop pulling me out of this world. Don't insult McGuire's, though. Let's be fair. Listen, as you guys know, one of my huge, my biggest pet peeves is introducing an element into a James Bond movie that doesn't exist in that world and then having me rail on it for 10 years straight. The car didn't exist. Those ga- the car was a different car. The gadgets weren't in there. It's mm-hmm. not the same car. But on this one, I give it a pass. I love that scene so much. I don't give a shit. Use it wherever you want. Of course, especially here when he's on the front of the car and he gets the call and she's in, in Gwen's in graduation. She's like, where are you? You hear her go, where are you first? You go, oh, he's in trouble. They're, they're, he's late for a date. And then it cuts over to her and she's at the high school graduation. Yeah. Come on. It's so fun. And then it's stay so least, good. He's like, yeah. Um, we'll skip ahead a little bit here and there. Of course, he beats Here's the thing. Every cheesy part that somebody hates in this film I would like us to keep track of if one of us hates it, see who else loves it. Because I think, the thing, I think the thing about this movie is it's just, it's a hodgepodge, but there's so much in there for, like, everyone to love no matter what they love about Spider-Man. And I mm-hmm. think that's sort of the interesting thing about that. That's why I say, that's why I say when I, every time I get, the, like, these are on or I watch them back, I'm always surprised. I'm like, they're entertaining. They're mm-hmm. not, they don't making me want to never watch them again. And they do miss they, they do make me think like I would have I would watch a third movie if they made a third movie in this trilogy, like a year from now. 
provided they were still making the Tom Holland movies, I would absolutely watch and support this movie. Did Tim freeze or okay, he's moving. Nope. Okay, cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, he he ends up beating uh, uh, beating Rhino and pulls his pants down and then uh, leaves. As he comes in, we see a great cameo from Stanley. He watches him swing. He's like, I think I know that guy. Uh, and just in time to accept his diploma and make out with Gwen. Great scene. The, the kiss so, and high five as he walks across the as he walks across and grabs his diploma. People will argue that that is not Peter Parker, and what I will argue is you get to a point after high school, Peter Parker, uh, where Peter is actually a very cool guy. He's yeah, just cool guy. broke. But, yeah. like, totally. he loves himself when he becomes Spider-Man, and he finds, mm-hmm. like, he figures out who he is, and I don't mind that that happens at graduation instead of a semester later. Yeah, uh, that, that's fair. There is that era where he, like, does sometimes become friends with Flash and stuff like that. So I, who the fuck said that? And they reference it later, but like I love that in the scene, it has it with Gwen being the valedictorian. It's like, yo, she's number one. Peter's number two. Could he have been number it. one if he wasn't Spider-Man? Yep. I just love that shit. Who knows? Who knows? Who could say? Uh, great scene with Peter and Aunt May where they remember Uncle Ben a little bit and Peter's uh, <sighs> and Peter's parents. Uh, and then Gwen gives him shit about the hijacked truck and then invites him to dim sum with a promise to do her speech for him all night long. I love I love everything about them. Somebody was like in the comments of the last one was like everything you describe uh, every about the scenes between these characters sounds like you're describing softcore porn. And I'm like it is. It is. Watch porn. it again. They are so into each other. I also want to say that like as much as Sally Field is given like go run around and play play a nurse. Are you a, are you an assistant? Are you the head nurse? Who cares at this point? Everything between her and Peter in this movie. And, like, the way they are dealing with grief is so good. This whole, I wish Ben could have been there and my parents, too. And the way they're just about to fucking break down. And also, the way Peter is just like, woof. They're like, come take a picture with the family. And he's just like, I am not taking a picture with this family. Well, no, you know why? Because he looks over and who's standing behind the family? Dennis Leary. And he remembers that last, his last words. The last words, that's right. Rescue me. Just kidding. He said, leave Gwen out of this. And Dennis Leary just gives him that stone cold, that death stare, like, get over, like, you know, ominous, something happened. Now, number one, I love that Dennis Leary got the bag for this. I love that Dennis Leary got the bag for this movie because, listen, get the bag, Dennis Leary. I want everybody to get paid all the time. Yep. He didn't have to do shit. No. Here's the thing, though. Did I need a literal image of Captain Stacy all the time to remind me about the emotional conflict here. I don't think I did. I lo- I kind of like it, though. I'll be honest with you. Like, there's that moment where he looks over. I, I, I forget when it was. Maybe it was earlier, maybe it was later, where he sees him in the cop car. Oh, and yeah. It, and, then it, and, it's, and Dennis Leary, just great, great stare. You know, just, just yeah. staring through him. It's haunting. I, I, think, I, I think it works. I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle, and I think the biggest thing is I do like it, but I also think that it is very distracting, and it immediately makes me think, do I like this? Like, I, every single time it pops up, I'm questioning, does this work for me? And I, I think that that's never a good thing uh, with the movie. But I do yeah. think at the end of the day, I, I, I like it. I like it this way. Okay. Listen, they say the best movies are the ones that challenge whether or not you like them. <laughs> yeah. That's a good or bad, too. Um, you know, later that night outside the Jason restaurant. Jason Kane. Shocker. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, outside the, at the dim sum restaurant, Peter confessed to Glenn that he can't get Captain Stacy out of his head. I promised him that I wouldn't keep that I would keep away from you. Now I'm gonna come eat dinner with your family. It makes me not able to live with myself. And she's like, "You're Spider-Man, and I love you, but I love Peter Parker more. That's worth it to me because you can lose me. Uh, because you can lose me. We can't be together. Uh, excuse me. Because you can lose me, we can't be together. Who does that work out for? And again, I think they really kind of cram home Glenn being like, "This is a choice that we both should be making." Yeah, you're making this choice for us, and we're both losing out. That sounds silly, and again, we're going to that later. She even says like, "You keep doing this." Yeah, you know, and so even though we haven't seen it, Peter's Peter's got some fuckboy energy in this scene. I'm not going to lie, we're seeing a little bit of fuckboy energy from Peter. We understand his emotional core and why he's doing it. Yeah, but this is some real fuckboy behavior from Peter. Parker. Well, let me tell you something right now. If I ever, if every time I turned a corner, I saw Dennis Leary staring back at me, I'd make some different life choices. Well, too. I'll say the same thing I say about every superhero movie, which is one person go to therapy. I dare you. Yeah, fair, <laughs> enough. fair enough. <laughs> Try to figure out something called or, or read a book on work life balance. Yeah. Uh, Gwen, of course, breaks up with him. She said, "I, you don't get to keep doing this to me. I break up with you." The and way she delivered that. There's so many moments in this movie where I'm just like, oh, yeah, I remember why we gave Emma Stone a fucking Oscar. Emma Stone rules. Great. She's great. She's a national treasure. La La Land 2, when is it coming? When is it coming? La La Land. La La Land. La La Land. La 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 La. Anyway, Peter buries himself in his work and saves a bunch of people, including Jorge, who is the cutest little kid who's made a wind turbine that got broken. So what does Peter do? He, uh, he fixes it with his web. Uh, just a little bit of web. He's like, you made this? This is awesome, man. This, uh, is why, this is why he's the best Spider-Man. And then we get another scene. Now, Tim, another thing I'm a sucker for. Please. I'm a sucker for any time he's wearing the Spider-Man mask and anything else on it. And we get this scene with him getting the meds where he's got, like, the hoodie over it. Oh, Spider guy. It's spider bad. What? Spider bad. Yeah, you're right. And then he sneezes in the mask, and all I can think is, oh, that must suck. That's gross. <laughs> but but here's here's something that it kind of just kind of dawned on me the last time watching this. This is maybe one of the only real interpretations of your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. People are comfortable seeing him. They're not freaking mm-hmm. out. And that tells me he's just around so much, you know? He's well, he went over to New York. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's something that they set up really but, but, well in the first movie. Yeah. That by this one, it's like you totally believe you can fill in the gaps of what he's been doing because it does feel like he's been fighting crime. And it does feel like he's beating up dudes that aren't the rhino yet. And I think yeah. when you can add that to people liking him, yeah. it makes it feel more friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. It, but he's when, also, you see that you see when he interacts with Jorge, it's not this Tobey Maguire Hey, this five-year-old child is going to teach me a lesson by suddenly, your vegetables. Like, right. suddenly like, yeah, giving a soliloquy by William Butler Yeats or something like that. Spider-Man is just like, hey, man, I'm here for you, and they're like, yeah, we're here for you too, Spider-Man. And it's like a very chill energy that he has. It, it reminds me of, and this is uh, this will hit for ten. It reminds me of like when people you would see Robin Williams in San Francisco. Yes. Right? And yeah, and you see him, and you go, oh, oh so, that's right. What's up, Robin? And you go, hey. And yeah, he would, take, like, he would take like pictures with you in the Apple yeah. Store. He would like he go and like take photos on. Yeah, <laughs> but but it was but, but you were seeing Robin Williams, the actor, 
uh, like, you know, you'd see him on screen, but then when you'd see him in person, you're like, Robin Williams, the guy that lives in San Francisco. <laughs> He's just, you know, it was cool. It's, it's that kind of vibe where it's like a little bit more intimate, not 100%, but just, you know, a little bit more. And I like that. You know that in this movie. Uh, then he watches Gwen hang out with her friends. Uh, and he's like, oh, sure. You know, a little stalker vibe here. But then he sees a fire and he goes, oh, I got to go save some people instead. We get a We're not allowed to like this stalker behavior from Andrew and dislike it from Toby. We have to, we have to dislike this. We have to dislike this across the board. And the scene that comes up later, where he, where he reveals to her that he's been stalking her, I do not like the way Gwen handles that. But that's okay. We'll move on. I don't like the way the writers handle the way yeah. Gwen handles that because they sort of, they sort of hand wave it away with, with her dialogue. Now, granted, but Emma Stone sells it. She does sell it, and, and granted, not to defend it at all, but I do think that there is a part of her that like. Still is obviously pining for. They're both. They're both very much in love. They're just yeah. trying to figure it out. So the reality of it is, it's a real scene, and that's how many many people would really act. That doesn't mm-hmm. make it not problematic. It's extremely pro- yeah. problematic. And when we're writing movies, that's that weird line of the responsibility of like showing what people should do versus showing what people actually do and how that should change. So I think that's like a big thing to keep in mind. But it is problematic. It's not accessible. Period. It's one of those things where, like, if, like, in movies now, you wouldn't write a scene like this, right? Yeah. Kids in real life don't do this. If they wanted to make this better, have it just be the coincidence, the happenstance of you turn around a corner and you see her with her friends. And then you yeah. go, should I talk to sure. her? No. I should re- I should respect those boundaries and then, oh, there's a fire anyway. i got to go take care of that yeah. now because we do know, we, we also do know, like, we forgive it a little bit more because we do know that Peter is constantly afraid of, of loss of people important to him. Yeah. So... That's why he never listens to messages anymore. <laughs> no, he can't leave him a voicemail. He just sees a voicemail from Tim, and he's like, oh, no, I miss you. can only text him, him, him on his Sony Ericsson. Can they text on those? We don't even know anymore. They don't exist. Uh, then we get more of that briefcase from that Peter remembers his parents. You're like, ah, oh, this thing. Then over at Max Dillon, super fan, uh, who got himself his own birthday cake, which is sad, but he got it on behalf of Spider-Man. Uh, Do you guys think does... we see the briefcase in No Way Home? Yeah, we have to. We better not. We better not. He put it I in the think, box at the end. It's over. Oh, he did put it in the box. You're right. I think in order to uh, to make up for how many times we see it in this, maybe they'll go back and re-edit a couple out of this film mm-hmm. instead of putting mm-hmm. them in early home. Sure. Maybe that'd be nice. Kind of like what we're doing with KFAF, right? Every uh, time you guys subscribe to Twitch.tv, so it's kind of funny games, we delete one episode of KFAF from that's the, the internet. That's a problem. That's a stone cold promise. Max Dillon has this Edward Nigma first act of Batman Returns uh, oh, so that's perfect. That is a perfect way. He's he's very it. much the Riddler from Batman Forever and I don't think you needed to do Max Dillon this way. There's a lot of they didn't they clearly didn't know what a modern take on Electro would be. Whereas at this point in the comics they had already redone Electro to be you know, he was the Electro where Magneto was like, hey, do you want to join the Brotherhood? We know you're not technically a mutant, but you're just as powerful as I am. Mm-hmm. Electro should be very powerful, particularly like in a modern world in a big city. So I like that this movie gives us that. Mm-hmm. But this, I don't know what the idea was here. I think it's a great idea. Like, I think that you know, Bless was talking about earlier about, like, them doing this whole thing about him feeling really ignored and nobody caring mm-hmm. about him, but him being talented and all this stuff. Like, he's essentially Spider-Man, but not being Spider-Man. And we see that with him not getting the credit. I think it's horribly done. Like, I think that yeah. it's, they, they played it for jokes when if they played it as this really sad, serious thing. I think that it could have been an amazing origin story, but it at the end of the day, it doesn't work in the end. There are two times when it works for me. The first is when he says... Is when, when, and it's because Jamie Foxx is selling it because he's better than this material. Jamie Foxx, it's when he's spinning around, it's when he's spinning around and he's going, 
you see me. They see me. You know, and he's like, he's really selling that moment. Yeah. But he's singing happy birthday to himself. It should be sad, but I feel like they kind of play it where it's, like, supposed to kind of make us laugh at him. And, like, that's the problem. It, like, really should make us, like, hurt for him. It's Catwoman Catwoman hearing the messages from her mom. Selena, when are you going to date somebody? Yes, although... I would argue that the Selena Kyle character is deeper than this character by far so, for a lot oh, of way, different reasons. Way better. Even though she, her origin story, she got licked by a bunch of cats and she was dead. Listen, but, it's the best Batman movie. I did not watch your rankings. I never will. I'm with you. Well, it's, besides the Dolan trilogy. But yes, of the old ones, yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, again, we didn't have... Sorry, this is going to be confusing. We didn't have Michael Keaton as... Vulture yet, right? We hadn't mm-hmm. seen. Let's make this person a real character. Let's actually like. Let's like. Let's make the audience like this character first and kind of empathize with this character uh, before we get into that. And so I think now it's inexcusable if you have a character that doesn't at least hit what Michael Keaton was able to, you know, uh, yeah. do in in Homecoming, right? Uh, but you know, this is kind of Dylan's 1.0 to Anthony's point. Anyway, uh, it's really sad. But he says Spider-Man is amazing. He does amazing things. You're like, oh, that's why they called it the Amazing Spider-Man. And then Aunt May has started her rounds in the hospital. She's training to be a nurse. Why not? Uh, but she won't let Peter do his laundry because he keeps turning everything blue and red. Uh, if you're looking, wash. if you're an old lady, if you're an old retired lady looking for a part-time job, med school and nursing school is not the easiest way to go. It's yeah. a big leap. My grandma worked at a Hallmark store, I think, at one point, and that was a lot for her. She was like, this is enough. I can just sell some cards. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, she knows he's Spider-Man, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. The argument she about knows. the argument she about does. the laundry, she definitely kind of knows, and they're both kind of daring each other here. Uh, there's the moment at the end where you really know. Yeah. Uh, but this is the first. this is the first moment where you're like, you're daring each other to tell the truth. I'm willing to believe that the the writers and directors want us to think that in reality she does not know. I think they want us to think that she, maybe maybe not, but like I I don't think it's done well. And I think that later the whole Harry plot of like does Harry know he's Spider Man? There's like a good 15 minutes where I wasn't sure. I'm like, does he, yeah. is he going after him because of this or is he going after no. him? To I'm pretty sure Harry is the dumbest super genius I've ever seen yeah, in my so life. So true. Uh, Max heads to work, and we get some exposition from uh, that guy that Andy likes from that one show about Oscorp's new fancy electromagnetic power. DJ Novak as Alistar Smythe, baby. Slayer, baby. There's so many characters in this movie that are hinted at future things. Like, the dude that gets, like, fried later is another, is a chameleon. Yeah, can you fucking imagine? Mm -hmm. B.J. Novak with those weird Spider Slayer arms coming out of his back. Ugh. So um, good. Well, I'll just have to keep imagining it because we're never going to get it. <laughs> uh, Max, of course, designed the new power grid but didn't get any credit for it, and everyone bullies him a little bit, except for Gwen, who introduced herself, and she remembers his name. Harry comes home. My note about that is, boy, this elevator scene happens, huh? Oh, it sure does. Yeah, it does. It sure does. I hate how it looks, too. It's so oh, just The green digital. screen elevator? Yeah. Again, if, 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 if Jamie, or at least the writing, had allowed Jamie Foxx to play this character a little bit more real, this could have been a scene that was poignant. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, Gwen is a person who, in this series at least, I would argue, is well-written enough 
to understand what's happening emotionally with other people in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think she's probably the only person that does that. We saw it with Flash. We saw it with uh, Andrew Garfield's character. And, and we see it a little bit in this scene. It's just she's acting opposite a styrofoam cutout of a villain that you would see in the movie here, not, yeah. in, not, not three-dimensionally. Uh, we cut over to Harry. And age-old story, Tim. One of these but, days, you're going to send me to boarding school. And I'm going to come back, and I'm going to be like, you can't throw me away, Tim. I know how Reddit works now. Tim Gettys, I'm kind of funny. Nick, how did Peter learn that Harry is back in town? His friend Harry is back in town. Well, we hear that Harry is famous enough to where he's in tabloids and stuff. Obviously, Norman Osborn is super wealthy and is like a big, big head of industry. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that Peter would hear through the grapevine. As oh, no, no, we saw it. We saw it. Oh. I was being we see a news report. Carboni, it is my least favorite movie trope. When characters learn the information of the plot because they're watching the news. And in this no. movie, it happens four times. Yeah. It's fucking okay. insane. You're right. There, there are a lot of news. There are a lot of news reports in this movie, but I would argue that if your world-famous friend was back home and his dad died and you hadn't been in touch for a while, you probably would have heard on the news. I'll give well, it this yeah. one. Also, I mean, listen, if yeah, you would have heard the dad would die on the news, you assume the kid's going to come home to at least figure out how much money he gets in the will. Uh, the dad, I, of just course, think, I just think it's wild that they let Peter in at all. Well, I think he just walked in. There was, like, no one there. Bernard no, was, like, was like, oh, like no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we got an amazing Spider-Man variant of Bernard. Bernard. Somebody goes into the meeting and is like, there's a Peter Parker here to see you. And like, oh, that's right. He just he just walked right in. I don't know. Um, I love, by the way, they, that they got Chris Cooper for this one scene. I, I know oh. they were going to bring him back, but. I think it's so wild. I didn't know until I rewatched it this time that there was the cut-deleted scene where, like, his head or some shit like that. Yeah, they flipped it. It was, you know, you always think like, oh, it's it's Norman first and then Harry, but they flipped it on you. Yeah. They flipped it. Norman was going to be the second goblin. That would have been cool. Uh, of course, Harry, these two don't like each other, but Norman's like, I make no apologies because I had to sacrifice your childhood for the greater good. We both have retroviral hyperplasmia. Uh, it's genetic and it's the Osborne curse, and I've been it's trying to solve it forever. Different. Man, you look just like the bad guy from Troll 2. (laughs) And it makes it so that no nail clipper could possibly contend with your nails. That's gross. Uh, Norman, of course, dies. Before he does that, he gives Harry a cool thumb drive. In return, Harry gives Norman just a big old fucking set of finger clippers. Like, bro, you got to take care of that. Take care of one of them before you die, please. Uh, Peter sends Jay, oh, I like this scene, uh, emails J. Jonah Jameson some pictures and asks him to consider that maybe Spider-Man is helping people and he immediately gets a reply from J. Jonah Jameson saying, wrong, wrong, <laughs> which is great. Reminds I love that they of. didn't dare out of everyone. Show. They didn't dare to recast J. Jonas. So, J.K. Simmons wanted to do it, and they wanted to get it back. It just didn't fit in the movie, so they didn't have it. But it was going to be J.K. Simmons. That's I amazing. That they did He's it. the it's one constant throughout the multiverse. Love it. Stan Lee, man, that makes sense. Uh, Gwen gets a call with some exciting news from Oxford, England, and Max gets told to stay late and fix the electric eel tanks or whatever the hell they went up there. Uh, so he sings to himself, happy birthday, and then gets shocked and falls into the eel tank, and they bite him in the face, and he turns into electricity, and the system restores itself. So look, here's the thing. Lots of hate about this movie and stuff, and I know that a lot of people don't like the MCU Spider-Man stories because, oh, everything always relates to Tony Stark. I fucking love that stuff because I think it's good storytelling and it's for a universe we know, and that's how you build a universe that we don't watch it and say this is overbloated. We watch it and we're like, oh, this all adds up and makes sense. I like that in this 
in the Amazing Spider-Man universe, everything goes back to Oscorp. Everything. Yeah. Always. And they and, set up in the last movie that they're doing the tests, that a big thing about Oscorp is them testing on all the different animals. We see the pull-up of the rhinos and the, the, the vulture and the uh, octopus and all that stuff. And it's like, I, I like that. I like that the eels are here for a reason. They're testing electricity and stuff. And I, to me, I think that's really cool. Yeah. It's corny, like like the idea of the eel accident is a little is a little corny, but at the same time, damn this this gag is shot well. That's the first thing I thought. I was like I was like, yo, this actually when he like crashes through like two yeah. floors and into the tank, I was like, that was jarring. Like they visually nailed like how sudden and weird that was that that happened. It's good until the cartoonish eel comes right at the camera with giant teeth and bites him right in his face. So it was a little bit weird. There was a ton of re-edits and reshoots. Apparently the, and I don't know why the playing sequence didn't get this, but this sequence and uh, a lot of the Goblin stuff, they had to cut or change this one in, uh, in particular because it was giving kids and test audiences nightmares. That makes sense. Hey, hey, give a kid a nightmare. It's fine. <laughs> remember Doc Doc? Bro, remember guys? Remember yeah, remember everything? Remember everything remember, from my child? Remember Robo, remember RoboCop? Any Jim Henson movie? Dude, I just watched Labyrinth the other day. I was like, wow, this is... Labyrinth will fuck your shit up, It'll dude. Fuck shit up. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, let me cut over to uh, Harry, who's like, they're like, hey, man, you're in charge. He's like, I'm in charge yeah. now, and I'm going to tell all you old Oscorp lawyers what's going on. I'm putting Felicia in charge. And, of course, Tim Felicia is... Of course, the black cat set up for a movie we never got. Never got. Ton of scenes. Now, just uh, getting ahead of it here, so many things come from this movie that didn't happen, including an entire plot with Shailene Woodley as Mary Jane. Um, and they just decided, hold on, actually, let me get this for you. She was really funny. Really good, Mary Jane. Said, it was I just, just wanted to give a shout out to Felicity like, Jones here. Yeah, they just said it was like too complicated. Like there were too many things going on, and yeah, that so, so like, 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 like they couldn't put enough MJ in the movie to make it worth her being MJ. Garfield, uh, in an interview, said, I think all the scenes were in our backyards. We had two or three scenes with me talking over the fence, and there was one with us riding together on a motorcycle that we never got to shoot. Uh, Mary Jane was cut from the film, and they explained that it was a creative decision to streamline the story, <laughs> to streamline the story of this movie, mm-hmm. uh, and focus on Peter and Gwen and their relationship. And Andrew Garfield's like, yeah, I mean, I think it was a good thing at the end of the day. <laughs> so Needed more rhino. Well, what they were like, they were like, do we put Mary Jane, an iconic... Uh, Spider-Man character in this a little bit? Do we do we tease that out for audiences? Or, Tim, is what audiences really want to see is Aunt May in the hospital. <laughs> and multiple planes. Exactly. Almost converging. God, I'm going to no, fucking May. defend the hell out of those planes. I mean, I, I, I would yeah, rather right. see that than Shailene Woodley as Mary Jane, I'm going to be honest. Who the fuck the fuck that? you got against Shailene Woodley? <laughs> Where, is that the ghost Good of amount. Dennis Leary talking to us right now? That, that is, is amazing. Uh, ghost, leave her out of this. No, say rescue. I need you to say rescue me. Can you rescue say rescue me? me? Perfect. Thank you. Uh, uh, let's see. Peter comes to check on Harry because Harry was there for him when his parents died, and Harry is reluctant at first, but makes fun of Peter's unibrow, and it's just like old times. Hey, these two guys are friends. James Franco and Toby Maguire. Sometimes I believe they were friends. James Franco no, wouldn't. For a second, did James I Franco wouldn't pee on Toby Maguire if he was on fire. Some That's moments, how that relationship went. Some moments I'm like, oh yeah, they're kind of friends. But in this weird, like, sycophantic, neither one of them is emotionally like uh, evolved enough to have a real friendship sort of way. These two dudes were were super tight when they were kids. 
and he, the kid had to move away. You know that kid that you knew that you like you hung mm-hmm. out with every day that mm-hmm. had to move away, and then you find him on like Facebook or whatever, or, uh, like years later, and you go out to a bar and you're like, dude, this is still cool. Like, oh, yeah. where have you been? This is still cool. They nail that fucking energy, and I, you know, the introduction of Harry is one of the things that people say is like, this all happens way too fast. It doesn't make a lot of sense, and that's true to an extent. But it's another thing, it's the hallmark of these two films that the actors sell it so well that I don't think about that. These two guys are yep. friends. To me, this is a perf- This scene is a perfect example of the highs and lows can even be in one scene because I love them kind of getting back together and being friends, and I totally believe they had a history. But the way Harry treats Peter in the very beginning, I think is very awkward and weird and makes it hard to believe that the things they say at the end of the conversation are the same people talking as in the beginning. Like, Harry's just so reluctant to even talk to me, like, I have a meeting, I'm busy, I'm not going to talk to you. Why? Why? Why don't be like, my boy? Like, well, because I think they haven't seen each other in a long time. But like, I think that he's probably just used to people using him and or, like, casting him aside. And so yeah. that the Peter, I think, he doesn't really break until he's like, he tells him why he's there. He's like, hey, you were there for me when my parents disappeared and, like, when my uncle died. And, like... I just want to be here for you. And it reminds him of, like, to me, it's like, I think Dana Han actually does a pretty serviceable job of being like, oh, right, this is a friend. This is someone I can trust and hang out with. It's the thing of, like, when when Peter is walking away and goes, it's just, it's good to see you, man. Like, it's really good to see you. And then, like, he, as he's walking, that's when when you see Dana Han, like, come out of this meeting where the subtext of the meeting is, we're getting rid of you or you're getting rid of us and let's see how this plays out. You know, and you can tell that's Harry's life. And so when when Pete's just like, hey, man, it was just really good to see you. I'm sorry about your dad. Dane, like, you see Harry just go, okay, yes, right, friend, yes. It's, it's, Tim, it's kind of like I don't want to see anyone, and then you, you pull up a venti eyes cough, and I'm like, Tim, where have you been? <laughs> where have you been? I need it. Uh, the combo, of course, turns to Spider-Man, uh, and Harry tells Peter he's running out of time, and then Spider, and then Peter uh, throws a rock and skips it about 400,000 feet. And Harry's like, whoa. <laughs> and then Menken, uh, who I forgot the name of this actor, but man, he's great and everything. He's a, he's a character actor that's just put in a ton of stuff, including Chronicles of Riddick, mm-hmm. where I think he played the, the, the Emperor Supreme or whatever that character. He, did, he played was. the Chronicles. Yeah, he played the Chronicles. Uh, <laughs> uh, Barrett, can you bring up, while you're while we're talking about this, just as an image, can we bring up Vin Diesel's latest post on Instagram where it's just him and his shirtless, and it looks like he's kind of... I don't know what he's doing below the belt, but it cuts off right at the perfect spot. Yeah, we don't need to say anything. His, uh, you know, his uh, chest looks like it's a face of a tongue. Uh, you don't need to bring that up because we've already seen it. I want Nick to see something new involving Vin Diesel. Okay. I did it last year. If you could please bring this up. Okay, cool. While That's you're doing that, of course, cool. Menken gets an update about Max dying, and they conspire to cover it up and blame Harry for it and get Harry out of the picture. Uh, then Max comes back to life. Could be a cool plot. That's a good plot. Interesting. Uh, and then Max comes back to life in a very electrifying way, Tim. Oh. <laughs> Peter gets a call from Gwen. Oh, my God. There we go. Please hit play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they all look like my brother? <laughs> oh, my God. This is, wait, Vin, Vin Diesel posted this? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. no this is. I was, I was like, no, Vin Diesel Although, does not make fun of himself. Anymore. No, he but he's not comfortable enough. You have to also that. understand that Vin Diesel doesn't know when people are making fun of him. He's not self-aware enough to understand that people would ever make fun of him. So he might post that because he might be like, "This is a great homage to 
family. Hashtag um, Dom's state of mind. Oh, God. I'm just going to say this. The electro design is actually really interesting, and the CG on it is really good. Like, the fact that you can see, like, the, the kind of bioluminescent sparking and everything under it. It's a cool design. It just doesn't – I don't understand why it's for this character. Well, it's the ultimate version. Yeah, this, it's yeah, just this, this never really bothered me. I know people have an issue with this. I see criticism of, like, of this. I, I just think it's cool. I'm like, the guy's made of electricity. His name's Electro. That makes sense. I know he doesn't have the – I know that in the new one he's got the sort of more iconic – like electric sparks look and he's yellow, but this didn't this doesn't bother me. I like the way he sounds. Yeah. I like the way he looks. I, I, I think, think the, problem, I think the bigger that. problem is how Max Dillon looks. Like I think yeah. that's when when people are talking shit. I think yeah. that's really what they have problems with, with the because that's the teeth and shit way over the top with the with the you know the comb over and all that stuff. It was just terrible. He didn't need I, to be that way. I just Thank think you, the, I just think the live action. I think the live action version of the Ultimate thing is just so close to like a weird Doctor Manhattan. Mm, that like yeah. it he just even, it he even feels comes odd. back similarly where he, like, he does, uh, re- later on in the movie himself, where he like yeah. reforms himself it's like way too close to Dr. Manhattan and it's just like kind of weird who the fuck said that <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love where he keeps this joke Peter gets a call from Gwen and he heads over to see her as a phosphorescent song plays Woo-woo-woo. Uh Gwen figured it was time for them to try being friends keep it simple you know what I mean and Peter's like, look, we gotta, we got to establish some ground rules. And then Gwen laughs, and he goes, like that. That laugh is off the table. you got to figure out a more annoying laugh. And she laughs again and goes, it's not annoying enough. And then she goes, well, I have some ground rules, too. Don't tell me that you look amazing. she says, don't tell me that I look amazing with those big, brown, doughy eyes. And I'm like, just. And then he gives the look. Come on. He doesn't even say the words. He just gives the look. This scene could have lasted, like, this lasts so long. And yes, it transitions into the creepy stalker stuff. But the good part in the beginning here, it could have been two hours, and I would have loved it. Like, Mm -hmm. I love them so much. I believe in them. And you're on this journey where you're like, yeah, no, we've got to be friends. This is rough. This is hard. Oh, no, they're fucking in love. They're teenagers in love. What are we going to do? Oh, God. And even even in the beginning, Oxford, fucking England. And even even in the beginning when, like, the song is playing and he's, like, walking slowly. And there's there's that thing where he just kind of slowly holds up his hand to a city bus, like, like, no, 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 not right now. This is important. I'm just like... Fuck, dude. It's Fuck. good. They're it's so good. good. And, Listen, and that's why... Uh, uh, and that's uh, why, like, the stalker stuff, the way they play it, and because there's so much love in the first half of the scene, obviously it plays different and it's more forgivable than, like, Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I mean, look, the fact of the matter is, like, and again, I'm not... I'm not I think it's poor writing, but Gwen was so in love with him. Obviously, she they want they want to get back together. So say what it, I don't know. It's it still comes off a little weird to me. But the rest of the scene, him doing like her doing the face thing, you can't do that. Like all that stuff, super good. Uh, we cut over to Max as he sees the Matrix and heads to Times Square, and then comes back. We that's when the talk. Peter tries to kiss her, but she goes, "I gotta tell you something. I'm moving to England. I got a scholarship to one Oxford, England. But they gotta go through. I got a final interview, oral exam thing going on, so it's not quite sure yet." The fucking gag about her being up against a 14-year-old kid who's a super genius yeah. is so good. And the way, she de- the way she delivers it where it's like, well, it's, it's like it's down to him or me. It could be either one of us. And I'm just like, this is hilarious, and I love right. it. And what's funny about it is that, like, it seems like it is a reference to some other comic character. I don't think so. I, I think that's think so. just, like, funny writing for right. Wayne's character. Good, fun world-building. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, again, I ha- here's the thing. If you guys need... 
uh, an icebreaker, by the way. I wrote an icebreaker down here for if either of you ever get that scholarship interview for Oxford. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, here's a great way to start it off. Uh, Anthony. Yeah. What killed the dinosaurs? Uh, I don't know. What did kill the dinosaurs, Nick? The Ice Age. <laughs> I just feel like that. I'm like, oh, you like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies too? You're in. He's from Oxford. Oh, wow. Holy shit. That is Amazing. It's terrible, exactly. It's terrible. It's terrible. That's actually not even what I wrote. What I wrote doesn't make any sense either. I said, what's red and blue and crawls on buildings? My ex-boyfriend, Peter. Uh, Peter? It's fun what goes on in your head, and I wonder how you get there. It's a weird place, guys. Sometimes I'm not sure if I'm awake or dreaming. Do you Uh, hear a Junkie XL-style chanting voice in your head? (laughs) You know, more often than not, it's just the Wonder Woman theme over and over again. Love. And it's kind of cool. Uh, Peter Spiderson's tingles. And I, I say, I don't, we get this occasionally, but it's just very subtle in this. And I kind of dig that. Uh, and he heads over to Times Square where he finds Max mainline. He leaves all of his clothes behind, which is kind of weird. But uh, he finds Max mainlining some electrical juice. Uh, and Max accidentally flips the truck over with his electricity. And all hell breaks loose. Cops around him. And he begs for them to help him. But nobody notices uh, that he's all. And then he notices that he's all over the LED boards. And finally sees people see him. And he goes, you see me? You're all really seeing it for the first time. And then the cops tear gas him. And he freaks out. And he flips over a police car. And this is the first instance where I'm like, Man, they have some awesome action in this. So if you were, like, he, Spidey this catches it. Oh, is 90% fucking incredible and 10% so terrible. bad that it makes people hate to see me, but it's yeah. so, there's so yeah. much good in it. This I mean, cool. just, just Peter connecting to, like, doing a Spider-Man thing of connecting to Max and being like, yeah, of course. Like, it's just you and me. Nobody, I, and the whole thing, like, I told you about my friend Max. We yeah. don't shoot my friend Max. Yeah. Where it's just like, this is Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, of course, it all goes terribly. And, uh, you know, Max and not being able to control his powers accidentally creates an electrical arc. And a sniper, like, gets, gets a little trigger happy and takes a shot. So Max goes crazy and pops uh, one of Peter's web shooters. The music starts singing, and you have to just... Go back to the beginning of this part when when I when I sang it myself because I'm not doing it again. I can't do that to him. Break a little part. And then Peter saves the moment when I realized. I'm sorry, but the moment I realized what they were doing because remember I had seen this movie once. The moment I realized what they were doing, I was like, no. I was like, that's his no. Yeah. That's his his Jekyll and Hyde is now also EDM. It's weird. It's EDM dubstep James Horner. But I will say this. That James Horner theme that I really couldn't pick out in the first movie that didn't really hit me, maybe it just needed some fucking junky XL behind it. It's fucking rad in this it's one. It's real good. The Zim. Uh, music starts going real hard, and people start running up a staircase to nowhere, and it's really cool until you realize they're running up a staircase to nowhere. It's just bleachers that they're running up. Where are they going to go? Are they going to jump over the thing? Yeah, I, I guess it is how, a bad thing. That's a real how, staircase, though. Yeah, but how fast is Spider-Man? He's like Flash, you know, Flash, Spider-Man, Superman. That's the order. That's the thing. Is like he's running at a CW Flash level. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I'm just trying just, to figure it out. Uh, and then Electra has. I'll say it right now, guys. Again, you want to talk about something that we should be criticizing, but it fucking hit for me. The best line of this whole movie. It's my birthday. Now it's time for me to light my candles. And he just lights this. He levels up with all the electricity and takes all the power for like 10 blocks down and then starts levitating as he shoots electricity at people like fucking Emperor Palpatine. 
they do electro in this movie. Like, I've never fucking seen electro. Oh, I am good with it. It's I'm a lot, it. man. It's, it's pretty fucking cool. But I, I don't know where this is in the scene, but I really, really love him getting the thing, one of his shooters blown, mm-hmm. and then having to save the people. Uh, and only having one web shooter, so the way he like hits it together to make the string, and like pull, he actually grabs it and pulls it. Oh my lord! I fucking yeah. love that. And then of course Spider-Man uh, takes him down. The only way you can take a man made of sheer electricity down with water. <laughs> That's right. And he's wearing the fireman's hat. And then he goes, <laughs> he brings up and he high fives Mike and Big John. <laughs> Mike and Big John, baby. Big John, high five, great. And then doesn't give a beat. Swings back over to Gwen and says, England, really? And and, and then he leaves. And she says, good talk. That's so good. This whole scene is so good. Listen, minus a little junky XL, maybe. This scene is very good. You know what, Anthony? I mean, you and I still live in our life. Tim, dead inside. If I come to your birthday party and you said, Nick, can you bring six cupcakes? And I bring 74 cupcakes. Are you really going to be mad? Are you going to be mad that I bring too much of a good thing? If I do a load more frosting on top of that shit? Come on, guys. You bring up a good point, Nicholas, because because Junkie XL does does save so much of this scene by adding that fucking slap behind the James Horner-like theme that, like, you can't do this. You've got to take the good of the Junkie XL out of the Junkie XL. You're gonna have to use you the put with the cupboards forever. <laughs> wow, that was great. Please tweet that. Please, Tim, tweet that. God. <sighs> okay, so Peter heads home, and starts listening to freaking what was it? Imagine Dragons Philip or Philip. Philip, Philip, or something. As he tears down his father's briefcase and again starts uh, uh, unraveling the mystery of their disappearance by doing what another creepy thing, folks. Making a serial killer wall, <laughs> and I'll tell you what: if Aunt May wasn't wasn't a little concerned before, she sure will be when she sees this bad boy. That includes Gwen, like a lot of Gwen, and I get that the whole thing is him kind of like trying to deal with what is he going to do about his loss and his family and Gwen. But I feel like all of those things together, just like this movie, it's too many things together that shouldn't be. This wall doesn't really make sense. No, it's yeah, well it's like, designed. It looks it's, cool. It is well designed. Freaky. It's like if he was, like, listing out the things he needed to get done for work all day, but also, like, threw in three of the grocery things he needed to get later. You know what I mean? It's like, no, groceries are important, Peter. You need to eat. Mm -hmm. We're at work right now. Maybe make a separate list. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of Gwen Stacy on the Osborne conspiracy list. Yeah, we don't need to, yeah, we don't need to bring that energy into the serial killer moment. Uh, We come back over to Harry over in Oscorp, and he picks a zit on his neck, and it has that energy... Of when you're like, I'm going to pick a zit, and I don't think it's ready yet, but I'm going to try it anyway, and it's mm-hmm. not ready. And you're it like, damn it, I just made this worse. But in doing so, he drops his father's thumb drive on the desk, and finally it all lights up, and he gets access to all the cool uh, files and stuff like Were that. Were we ever worried that he didn't know what to do with the thumb drive? This I was. Just, really? I was I, worried. I, that's interesting. I wonder, like, it, he hands me something. It says Oscorp. It looks like a little chip. I'm sitting at, I know that Oscorp is full of smart tables. Like, do I – I just didn't know? I don't know. It's weird. It's I, I a weird it's thing where I'm thing. torn. I'm yeah. torn with it because, like, I, one thing I love about these movies is the tech and how Oscorp has all this tech mm-hmm. and the, the level of – it feels futuristic. Even the, we saw the lizard gas that the cops had in the first mm-hmm. one. Uh, and in this one, we see the, uh, um, the like, the, the cops use those, like, crazy-ass devices oh, to try I to take down a left world. Like, Don't that's think I'm cool. down the tech. But even Oscorp, like, how futuristic it all is, I kind of like that. But I do think that this weird thing that Osborne just gives to his son, like, 
it needs a little bit more explanation of what to do with it for him to jump to the understanding. It's clear he didn't really know either. Yeah. But well, that's weird. the thing. He only doesn't know because the script says that he doesn't. Yes, exactly. Right. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it could have just as easily been a scene of Harry picking his neck, putting the thing down with, like, with like a sense of purpose and being yeah. like, all right, let's dig into Dad's files. Would have been better. And what, 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 what are Dad's files titled, Who is Anthony? talking right it's now? It's the ghost of fucking Dennis Leary <laughs> asking Anthony you Carboni, what, are da- what did Dad oh. title his files? Because I'll let tell me you tell what. you, if I've got porn, Anthony Carboni, on my mm-hmm. computer, I don't label it porn, okay? Yeah. Why would you label your secret projects as secret projects, you fucking yeah. weirdo? So I believe dumb. it was, I think it might have been special projects. Special, special, pro- sorry, special sorry. projects, but, and you I, need a certain level of access to get into the files. So I believe that Harry is biometrically, like, doing stuff on I'm the table. I'm oh, going to say this. But with, here's what I'm saying, Bear. I agree with you just from the per- just from the perspective of not every dad needs to be secret dad. Mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> like, not every dad needs to be secret dad. Just let him put the thing on the cool table and do this thing. <laughs> Harry's office fucking rules, by the way. I'm definitely with Dennis Leary on this one. I thought that was I thought they could have been a little bit more creative on that. But I will ask this question. Ask it. What happened to smart table technology? Dude, you guys remember this was in in every movie. This was in Quantum of Solace where they do the cool thing where it's like, oh, all the motion graphics, and I'm like, that's the future, man. We're gonna get smart table technology, and I'm staring at I'm staring right now at a very expensive 144 hertz physical fucking monitor that I can't touch, and nothing happens to it. You You got Kevin's house in a while, Nick. Does Kevin Kevin have a smart table? No, but. Very close. Any day now. There were three or four CESs that I went to where everybody was showing up at Smart Table. Yes. It was a thing. I want it. When is it happening? Smart Table. Because, like, here's the thing. Real talk. How many times? My tables are dumb. Look how dumb this (laughs) fucking table is. Stupid this desk is. Do something. Doesn't do anything. Nothing. Stupid. Anyway. Back to the movie. Uh, Harry sees the goblin armor and the spider research, and he's like, oh, but dude, two together. Peter watches YouTube to learn about electricity as Kid Cuddy plays, and Which, he works yeah, up. I fucking love. Like, I love that yeah. we have the smart kid, and he's yeah. just like, oh, electricity? I don't really know too much about it. Let's look into some YouTube videos. Yeah. I think it's fucking cool. Him doing think, experiments, all that stuff is rad. What I don't like about this scene, at least I think it's this scene, it definitely is this scene. It's what kicks it all off is, guess what? another fucking newscast. And he's watching this newscast out of these fucking kids. And the news anchor asks the kids, what do you think Spider-Man should have done to beat him? And he's like, I don't know, maybe some rubber. Like, why would they ever ask these random motherfuckers, hey, what should Spider-Man have done? That's a weird weird news programming choice. Uh, That was a real New York One anchor, though. I do want to give that a shout out. And they actually called it New York One. But yeah, it's, it's very odd. It's like, why wouldn't Peter just be like, you could just as easily have done Peter looking up, you know, electricity or like how to how to you know how to insulate against electricity or something. You know what I mean? Like we didn't need those two dorks. I will, yeah, but you know, I don't mind it. I think it's endearing. I think it it shows Peter being a little vulnerable. And to to Tim's point, like we just watched Ghostbusters Afterlife and spoilers. We like it. Uh, go watch that review. It's really good. Um, okay. But uh, one of the things, one of the criticisms I had of of whenever they have the young, super genius, sciencey kid in the movie, is I'm like, there is a limit to how much this kid can possibly know, having only gained experience for 12 years of life. And at a certain point, you turn a corner where you're like, 
I don't, this character's not believable anymore. And this is a very, this is a moment where Peter makes him a little bit more believable. He understands the, the, the fundamentals of electricity, but he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't know how you would make something like electric, electricity proof, right? He's got to figure it out. Yeah. But he has the tools, he just doesn't have necessarily experience. And I like That's that. fine. But, but to, you know, to, to Tim's point, they didn't need to do it in a newscast with two random dudes. It could have been a, it could have been an internet search. It could have been at the beginning of the YouTube video. It could have been, you know what I mean? Like, why show me two videos that aren't real? Show me so, one video yeah. that isn't real. Because I love like, the YouTube thing. I, yeah. I fucking love it. My note that I wrote down for this part is, yeah, I love Andrews Peter. Like, right. again, it's just so damn good. And it, it's just because of what Nick's saying. Is he's not the he's smart, I know everything. Like, it's I'm smart and know how to get things done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Harry calls Pete the next day and asks him to help save his life. He shows Peter a video of their secret dad trying to cure everything with spiders, and Harry has to put two and two together. Spider-Man is the result of that work. Quote, he was bitten by one of those things, and it worked. He can do everything else a spider can, including healing himself. I was like, I love that you put that line in there. Thanks for that. Yeah, uh, thanks. A really funny thing, though, was uh, the way that this is, is the, the dialogue. The phone call happens, right? And uh, uh, Jane DeHaan's just like, like, hey, Peter. Peter's like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Not good. I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy shit, dude. Like, I know there's not much other ways you can get into that conversation, but, like, that is hell. Whoa, you just jumped off the cliff there. Yeah, give me a, so, listen, um, before you drop the news that you're dying, just ease into it a little bit. Yeah, can you come over? There's something I really need to tell you in person. Yeah, it's not good. Totally. Prepare yourself totally. for some bad, bad news and bring Starbucks. Gwen looks up Max Dillon in the Oscorp database while Harry asks for some spider, from sort of Spider-Man's blood, and Peter reluctantly uh, tells him no, uh, as, uh, and then, this scene might as well be Peter picking up a phone and being like, hello, Spider-Man? I need to ask you something later about blood. And, and Harry's, Harry's like, just like, oh, is that him? Is that Spider-Man? Because yeah. you're not Spider-Man? Because even though this video of our two dads, okay, great. And you're okay. not Spider-Man. Right. Okay, cool. Great. And it's, it's from this point on that, unfortunately, I think this is what sours this movie a little bit for me, is that Harry's storyline from this point on is just comically ludicrous. It's just... And it, it relies on our familiarity with the Tobey Maguire movies and with the comics. And the, everyone's just like, oh, they know it's Green Goblin. They know they right. know what's happening. And it's just like, no, we, we don't. Just tell us better because this isn't great. Um, Gwen looks up. Uh, sorry, we get the bad guy from Billions. One of the guys from Billions is looking. It locks Gwen out of the computer. And man, this guy is, makes a perfect generic man in black bad guy. Oh uh, yeah, the handsome, the handsome security man. Looking. Yeah. I was just like, who is this handsome chest? security man? Doesn't matter. He's handsome. He's security. Gwen gets chased by secu- by him and security, and Peter catches her literally and figuratively. So they decide to hide in the closet together. Make a little joke about it too. Gwen tells him about Max's cover up. He says he loves Spider Man, and and Peter goes, I got more of like a wanted to kill me with electricity vibe from him. And she's like, Well, that's kind of like what it's like to love you. So good. It's good. Thanks um, for everything. And we get a bunch of lens flares here, and it's like Captain Star Date forty four forty four. They make out, and it's hot. And then Peter goes, Listen, you make the elevator all distract them and he does so with a piping hot cup of coffee uh, and then does the cool oh I didn't mean to trip you I didn't mean to push you up and then Gwen makes it out dude into the, the full the full Chaplin the full totally. Buster Keaton physical Eaton. humor Garfield is good man he worked it uh, when Gwen of course gets into the elevator She's there with Harry Osborne, and it's a creepy scene. Uh, over in an undisclosed location. a woman, I wouldn't take any of the elevators at Oscorp. No. Just based on Just based on the experiences that, MJ, that, that Gwen is having throughout this whole thing. 
Take the stairs if you can at Oscorp. It's 40 floors, but you know what? You'll stay fit. Uh, I put undisclosed location, but I'm dumb. It's Ravencroft, uh, which, of course, we know from the comics. Uh, and Dr. Kafka. Toys Why did they turn Ashley Kafka into, number one, a man, and number two, a weird German cartoon scientist man? That's the question for Tim. I, Tim, you have the floor. I really don't know. And I remember when I first saw this movie in theaters, like, I had a mark-out moment for a second, because the way they debut him, you just get a close foot of space. I'm like, holy shit, it's Doc Ock. Like, mm-hmm. this is Otto Octavius. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's immediately clear it's not, or at least, thank God, it's not, uh, based on the way he's talking. But it was just like, all right, this, a lot of this is uh, not how I would have done this. Not good yeah. either. This character, again, going back just a little too comic booky. Yeah, this, this turns very, very Raimi, very Batman Returns as well. Uh, of course, they go back and forth, and Electro says, you better make sure you kill me this time, because if you don't, I'm going to kill, kill the light. Everyone will see me for who I really am. Kafka goes, who are you? He goes, you know. He says, don't you know? I'm Electro. And the guy's like, okay. Oh, yeah, I, I thought you were going to do it. You know who I am? Oh. <laughs> you sure you want to know? You sure you want to know? My story is not for the pain of heart. It's true. No, I just thought it was weird that he was like, I'm Electro. It was supposed to hit. and But to to this doctor, he's like, all right, you just named yourself. I get it. Okay, like Tim calls, and Tim calls himself Daddy. It's like, it's weird. Stop doing that. You can't that's that's that give I yourself love. your own nickname. That's uh, no. And, and uh, to give the Raimi movies credit, I love that the villains' names are from J. Jonah Jameson. That, mm-hmm. feel, that I think, builds why we love that J. Jonah so much is that, like, it is the newspaper calling it the Green Goblin and Doc Ock. Like, it's so hey. Did we, we just that had that? a new, we just had a news report where we talked to two dudes about the electrical conductivity of rubber. Could Anya Ortiz have just said electro in that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't no. know. Wait, did, okay, we, so we know did this. Okay, that no. made, that would have made a lot more sense if he would have like, don't you know I'm electro? Somebody like, called call him that. electro dork in the crowd. I mean, Somebody yeah. goes, hey electro dork, and I guess he just dropped the dork. He said, please. Like, oh, you know, it kind of works. I was like, Andrew, Tim, let kind of funny videos. And he's like, how about just kind of funny? And I'm like, all right. Yeah. I love that uh, Andrew uh, calls him uh, Sparkles. <laughs> great. That's amazing. Uh, Peter comes home to find Aunt May looking at his serial killer mural, and she rightfully is a little concerned. And she won't tell him the truth about his dad. He goes, as far as I'm concerned, you're my boy. And Peter's like, every time I look at you, you look down, tell me about my dad. Uh, she tells Peter that Oscar accused Richard of being a traitor and stealing the research for profit. And Peter's like, no, no, that's impossible. And then Peter tells Harry he can't give him any of the blood because uh, actually drops, just kind of drops by. And he's like, hey, man, I can't give him any blood because it might change you into something comically can we just, bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Can we just Sally fucking field? Sally fucking field. No matter how much she's wasted in the rest of this film, the thing where she's like, you're you're my boy. You're my boy. And you're just like, oh my. And then Andrew Garfield with like the hands on her head and you're just like, fuck. Fuck. Like, that's why, that's why, who the fuck is talking? That's why (laughs) this movie works for me because you can have this dumb movie where they gender bend Ashley Kafka for no reason other than to make a weird German mad scientist, and all this cartoony shit happens, but it's okay because it's not really about that. It's about Aunt May and Peter, and it fucking works. Fair enough. Yeah. So good. Um, Peter tells Harry he can't give him any blood, and then he goes, you're a fraud, Spider-Man. You don't give people hope. You give people anger. Uh, Peter has a breakdown in front of Gwen as she heads in for her Oxford interview, and then at the end of the scene, he just wishes her good luck. This is a weird scene. here. Where he, where he says, I'm from Harvard. Yeah, this doesn't, like, 
I know, I know, like, does this not work for you? I feel like this would work for you. Nick. For me? Oh, no, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think the, the bit where he's like, cheerio, long live the queen, all that stuff. It's just, it's fine. It's just <laughs> one of those scenes that I feel like belongs more in like an episode of Friends than it does in this movie. Yeah, to me, the dialogue works, but the uh, situation they're in doesn't. Like him just like walking in with her and him being like, wait, where are we? Oh, like, like that works, but then the moment he knows where she is, right. I'm like, this, this feels disjointed where it's like you wouldn't, do this to her here. I don't believe that this character would, it feels out of character, even mm-hmm. if I do think the dialogue's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I think it's a funny bit, and like, it's a very, I'm going to say it again, it's a very Mark Webb indie rom- rom-com yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter heads home and tears down his circular wall, and he smashes his TI-82 and finds a bunch of old subway tokens, and he's like, oh, subway, I remember something about the Roosevelt secret station, so I'll bing that. And sure enough, it's right there. They had to build it for him because Roosevelt, they wanted to keep it secret that he wasn't able to walk or yada, yada, yada. Uh, Can I tell you, I Mm -hmm. love that they worked this real-ass fucking subway history in. I got so happy when they did this. They didn't have to, but they did. I the payoff is a big fucking letdown, and it's the worst thing about this yeah. whole movie. Yes, worst thing. This, worst thing. But this moment, I really enjoyed. Oh, the whole secret conspiracy leads to like a real secret place in New York. I love mm-hmm. that. My my brain's like, what happens if you run out of the tokens? Like, how do you get into your lab? I mean, you have like thirty of them. It's overly really complicated. Once a sure. day, you go to your lab. You got to put a token in. How do you get the tokens back? You know. Why would you put that token for? Maybe there was a bigger stash of tokens somewhere else, and Peter uh, just found the. What happens if you want to go to the dome? You close it down. You got to bring a token back. Yeah, but who the fuck is talking? I have a question. If it's Dennis Leary, right in the corner. Oh, hey, what's up, man? I love you and the ref. So listen. Great. Why does there need to be a token? For a station that's been shut down since literally the days of FDR, why would it be tokens and not just a key card or something? Nobody's going. Why token? Why token? Why token? I don't know. All I know is it's just to give him that one little bit, little piece of the puzzle so he can bing the token thing. Yeah, bing it. That's where it was. Um, Felicia tells Harry that there might be another way to save him. She says before they destroy the spiders, they have the venom extracted. It's somewhere off books in a, in a file called Project Goblin. Secret project? Oh, sorry. No, it's Secret Project. That's what it was. It's um, I just put it, I was like, Project Goblin would be so cool. But no, they called it Secret Projects. Oh, uh, well, or, I think Goblin is, you know, go- yeah. I, I like the whole thing of Oscorp turning on Harry. I think this is a fun, mm-hmm. cool thing for the goblet. This plus genetic thing given to you from your father who you never liked anyway is a cool idea for a goblin origin. It just gets so lost here with everything else that's going on, and I think that's a shame because yeah. so many oh, other things are pushed to the front. Uh, here, of course, gets kicked out as Peter heads down the old Roosevelt line and uses a token to reveal right. the hidden Tilbury car lab. And but the Harry getting kicked out, though, it is such a bad scene where it's like he's being held back by all these people, mm-hmm. and he's so angry, and he's like, you know what? I'll just find my own way out, and gives the most evil shit stare I've ever yeah. seen. And they just I guess they let him go. walk out. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? And the sad thing is Harry had all the trimmings. The setup for Harry and his motivations are there. They just did not get the follow-through. Plus the jacket. You have a kid who's been estranged from his family. He's been left behind. He's been bullied. 
He's smaller in stature than than his friend Peter. You've got a lot of he's he's a basically good kid, but he's he's dying and he's desperate and he's a billionaire. You have a lot of the makings of of a well-rounded character, but instead they were like, I want you to take all that, throw it aside, practice your weird grin into the camera a bunch of times, and that's what we're going to get in the third act. How's your spooky whistling? Can you do this for me? What's the audition? He just walks in and just sleep on the page. He's like, I nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, let's see. Peter watches a video of this from his dad. Norman Osborne was going to use his work for biological weapons. So Richard refused, and Norman falsified evidence against him in order to take control of his work. I've never seen this plot before in my life, and I'm so glad that this is the first time I've ever seen it. What a, it's a, it's a mismatch. <laughs> it's a mishmash of stuff that's actually from the comic, but it's like two or three different storylines squashed together and also set to make Norman the center of it because Norman has to, Oscorp has to be the center of everything in this series. So, it feels like a combination a of like four different ultimate. Uh, is talking? Dennis Leary in the corner. Um, a, a, a few of the ultimate Spider-Man comic threads like all mashed into one and it's like they I, I, nailed none of it. Yeah, but Parker, totally there was some mainline 616 stuff with the Parkers being, being spies and the chameleon yeah. killing them and it's it's just a lot, and it's just and it all ends with Peter's the special boy with the special boy blood, mm-hmm. and I go, no, he's not. He's a picked on guy who was in the right place at the right time and made the best. Of and it. chose to be a hero. Um, no, my my point earlier, just to dial it back for a second, is not that it wasn't from the comic books. Is that this is just always the trope of someone making something and it gets turned into a weapon. We saw it in the last Spider-Man. We saw it in Real Genius. We see it every single time scientist wants to do something good. Of course, corporate bad guy wants it to be bad. And I was just, when I saw this, I was like, when I originally saw this movie, I was like, I hope there's a better payoff for this horrible plot line than just, we had to go on the run because someone's going to use our stuff for bad. And unfortunately, it just, that's what it was. It's a bummer because you lose the heart of, you know, you, not even just, not the heart, but Norman in the first movie was trying to do something good and, like, but had so much ego that he cut corners, right? Right. Norman in this movie is trying to save his own life, and so he could cut corners there. It's not just a matter of, like, this stuff is unsafe. Like, the fact that it was like, oh, it could save Norman Osborn's life, but also a weapon. You're right. It's like... You're adding another layer. We we don't. He doesn't need to figure out the mystery of the thumb drive. There don't need to be three reasons why the spiders were being made. Mm-hmm. Like Peter doesn't need to be the special spider boy. Like mm-hmm. cut now, some stuff down, babies. I, I do want to say here. I do want to say here that one thing that this does do is answer the questions that we all fucking had of who the fuck was Peter playing hide and seek with in the in the beginning of the last Thank movie. You. What's going on? Why, what's going on? And now we get it. We get the whole flashback of that. He was recording the video. He was playing with him. He had him say extra long hiding because he was had to record this video for Peter. The fact Thank that God. we had to connect this is so stupid. And the fact that we had to see Peter's mom talk to him again and say, hey, he, he doesn't like to sleep with the dark. Why'd they have the light again? I didn't like it the first time and I didn't like it here. Great you don't have Great to pay because you don't have to pay her to come back. They already shot that. I exactly. just, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it did make me want to buy a Sony Vio, so I guess that, that worked for me. I went on eBay yesterday, bought one for $4,000. It was cherry. Everyone gave the first movie it. shit for Bing. This movie, Google, baby, let's go. I said Bing anyway, because it was just funnier. Uh, Harry, proving that the Raven Cross security, not up to snuff, just tases his way into this highly secure supervillain secret fight. Uh, and then Make it more powerful. 
call for this. Give him something where it's like like some line of dialogue of like, yeah, this disease for a while, it makes you like more powerful, but then you're eventually going to end up like me. No, he's just a fucking dude. Not only just a dude, he's a dude that is slowly dying right now. Why would he be able to take out trained cop guards at a freaking police station? Forty pounds soaking wet. Yeah. And he does some judo on these boys, like yeah. you would not believe. Apparently, he studied that at Harvard. Here's the thing: once again, you're making it too complicated. Why can't Norman Osborn? Because security, like Ravencroft, doesn't have to know what's going on at Oscorp yet. Why can't Harry Osborn just walk in and be like, "I'm here to take a tour of the facilities. I'm in charge now." It's one of those things where, like, there's a, you know, there's a bunch of ways to skin the cat here. One of them, though, is we set up the fact that that Harry is not stupid. So why make him a brute? Why not make yeah. him hack into a computer and, ha- and come face-to-face with him via a monitor? Why not have him sneak around the security? And yeah. Really and there's all sorts of things he could do, but I think, I think what happened was, because if you actually go back and watch, there's actually not that much action in this movie, in this Spider-Man movie. It's mostly people talking. So I think they were like, we need to have an action sequence here. It feels like it's, it's kind of running dry. It's, this doesn't work. He passes Dr. Kafka in the hall on the way mm-hmm. here, and Dr. Kafka is, like, muttering to himself in cartoony German or something, and I'm just like, even for this one moment Dr. Kafka's on screen, Dr. Kafka's in a different movie, and it weirds me out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we also get some exposition here where Richard's like, I, I infuse my own DNA into that thing so they can never continue to replicate my experiment without my bloodline, uh, so that makes Peter even more important, which is annoying. Uh, Richard needed to get away, but nothing is more important than his son. That's what he says, Anthony. Nothing is more important than my son, which is why we left him behind and we're never going to see him again. Pretty much put him in harm's way. Garf is garfing it up in this scene, and he's selling this. He's selling watching this video off of a bio screen in a weird subway train better than I think most could. I'll tell you what, man. You ever he's seen the movie Interstellar? Feeling. You ever seen the movie Interstellar, Anthony? You know uh, that scene where Matthew McConaughey has to catch up on like 30 years of his kid's life in like three yeah. seconds, and it's so overwhelming for him that he's like kind of laughing and crying at the same time. Yeah. This scene was way worse than that. This scene was <laughs> nowhere close to that. Wow. Yeah. I think, I I think Garth, so, no, I think Garth, Garth did, did he could. Garth did a good job here. It's just this, this scene is, the setup for it is just ridiculous. No, it just doesn't make, any, it doesn't make any sense to me, Tim. If you, like, and explain to me, like, how Why are you the keeping your car safe? Why did the subway car have to go up? It was already a subway station. Would have been cool if it came in. They're like, oh, it came in. <sighs> it's a hidden subway station. Anyway, it uh, doesn't matter. Let's move nah, on. Moving on. Uh, Harry makes a deal with Max. He wants Spider-Man. I need something first. I need you to go to get me into Oscorp. Harry charges him up with a paver, and they go. Uh, and wanna, off they go to catch a spider. You want to be my friend? I actually kind of like that when Jamie yeah. Foxx is like, "Oh, you do you want to be my friend?" And it's like, ah, Max. Oh, there's always now. It's like I need you. Uh, Gwen lives. Pe- that was Peter. actually that was actually kind of powerful, I like especially that coming from Dane DeHaan. Like it was just like, no, I need you, I need you, Max. And it's like, oh, characters that have emotions. To me, it's one of those scenes that had I walked in, had I never seen this movie, and I walk in, the first thing I saw was Dane DeHaan talking to Electro and saying, like, do you, do you need a friend, whatever? And I had my friend pause the movie, and I was like, what happened before this? And they explained to me, like, well, Max Dillon kind of feels like he doesn't have any friends, and then whatever, I'd be like, oh, fuck, this is actually really good. Mm-hmm. But this is not earned at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it should be, but the, every line before that does not add up to this moment. It seems super yeah. quick for Dane DeHaan's character to understand, oh, this is this guy's weakness, is he feels Mm-hmm. Alone. Mm-hmm. Maybe he uh, wants to kiss. 
Maybe. Maybe it's real. Maybe it's a real kiss Maybe situation. Maybe you want to feel the electricity between me and Tim's lips just kind of brushing up against each other. I don't know. No! Uh, Gwen leaves Peter a message, leaves Peter a message telling him she got in Oxford and is leaving early uh, for the summer class. She loves him, but it's just easier this way. My and note we, on this was, I got into Oxford and I have to go right now to Oxford because <laughs> Oxford. <laughs> Oxford. Oxford. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's so fast, and it just raises the stakes, like, incredibly high. I've got to leave now? Yeah, you've got to leave right now. Now, it's one of those things where it's like this. What did your mom have to say about this? Wouldn't your parent, your one surviving parent, be like, no, I think you should take a couple days. You have two brothers. There's a whole family going on here. You can't be taken off to England forever for summer class. But, hey. And the family's not going with her. Again. Her two brothers and her mother are not in the cab with her to go to Oxford, by the way. Again. Very I'm going to throw this out there. Put a pin in this right now, okay? Because this is bad. But there's an asterisk by it. Tim, can you put the asterisk by it, please? Mm-hmm. Put it there. Cool. We cut over at Oscorp. Electra materializes like Dr. Manhattan and just murders everyone. And then they take Menken hostage. And by the way, uh, he was like, I was cold, so I put on a costume and a lightning bolt on it. I was like, that makes sense. Sure, why not? Nobody wants to see Electro's. Electroid. Uh, Have we make- seen that armor before in, in like a special projects file or a JPEG somewhere? I was trying to figure that out. No, but yeah, we, I don't think we did. You're, I mean, it's such a weird thing. We've seen so many other things, but we didn't see that, and then it just shows up, and we're just supposed to be like, okay. But if one of those things, like, you're gonna lightning bolt on the on the it really makes it. sleeve. I was just like, why the custom? Where did you get that suit, man? I don't know. And it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, this suit in my brain, I'm like, that's the thing that allows him to materialize, right? Without that, he can't keep his atoms together. No, we've already seen him form. It doesn't matter. It's just a cool suit. But whatever. I guess they wanted to sell the toys. Uh, let's see. Harry takes him down into the uh, the secret area where we see the Easter eggs, of course, the goblin suit and Doc Ock's arms. Uh, I and then it. I love it. I think this is I fucking it. so damn cool. I'm just- fine with it. In a crowded movie, it's easy to point and be like, we even more elements? It's like, no, this is building for the next one. Then we know yeah. not. Uh, and then Harry does some spider venom, and things get weird, dude. And, man, Dane just really played this one zany. They were like, yeah. go, Dane, give me 100%. Now, Dane, give me 300%. That's where we want you for the rest of this movie, Dane. Um, I want you to be the exact inverse of how wild you were in Valyrian. Take the lack of energy you had for three hours in Valyrian yeah, and then yeah. flip, it. flip uh, it. I I think this goblin transformation needed more gas, if I'm honest. But other than that, really? uh, okay. I, thought you know, the, I thought it was the appropriate amount of I can't see what's happening gas. And uh, 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 combined with, stick with me on this one, the woman who teaches uh, broom riding from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. That oh, interview that she has? Yeah. No, it wasn't McGonagall. No, I, I forget her name. Chad will probably know. But it's yeah. a, she has that, like, bright white hair that's like, like popped back. Like she's oh, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Electrical. Well, that's what this reminds me of. Someone's, like, a huge fan of Harry Potter. It's fucking weird. He ter- he really does. Like, I get that they're trying to make, like, a more classic fairy tale, like, actual dark fairy tale goblin. But, yo, this is a weird look. It's just the, um, weird. The chat says Madam, Madam Hooch. Thank you, Madam Hooch. Thank who the you. fuck is talking? Madam Hooch is talking. That's who's talking. No, it's, it's, me. it's me, Dennis Ferry, in the corner. Oh, Dennis hey, what's Larry. up, man? Um, Menken, of course, bolts, sounds the alarm as Harry transforms into something ghoulish, and he's like, I'm dying, and so he climbs into the suit that we've already established can save your life. Uh, and but he don't does worry, so. the suit turns to healing. 
It, it turns on healing, and it has a big it has big electric thing on the back that says healing activated. Mm-hmm. Of course. So that's so that the person behind you in combat can know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real video. It's a real third person shooter sort of situation. I mean, listen, dude. If it's not like Electro had a built-in battery meter in his fucking head. That would be ridiculous. Tim. That would be silly if it looked like, be, especially yeah. if it looked like a Motorola silly. pager. Yeah. That'd be weird. Oh man, I'll tell you what though, Tim. Remember that little asterisk we had you put on that? That mm-hmm. bad scene from before. It's asterisk time. Gwen okay. in the cab. And the cab driver spots a message that we can't see. He's like, I think that's a message from Spider Man, and it cuts over. And it's a message on the I think I wanted the bridge, Anthony. You know which bridge this is. I'm gonna say it's the Brooklyn Bridge, sure. and it says in giant letters, "I love you." And she gets out of the she gets out of the cab and looks at it, and it's so perfectly done. Right as Peter comes in, swoops in, and swings in and grabs her and scoops her up, and he goes, "Did you get my message?" And she goes, "What message?" I think it's cute. Oh no, it's ten out of ten. I think it's adorable. I love it so much. It's It's another example of not set up well, but they nailed the landing. Nailed the landing, man. You get my message? What message? (laughs) Come on, dude. So good. Anyway, Peter tells her he chooses her and wants to go to England with her. They got cramp in there, right? In England, she's like, yeah, yeah they got lots of cramp. Uh, and Jack the Ripper bit is good. Uh, you're, like, my, you're my past. Yeah, I love you're it. You're my past. Oh. Um, oh. And then all the power goes out in the city, and Peter and Gwen spot Max over in the grid. Thankfully, that grid is just right within eyeline of where they're at on this bridge. Uh, Peter tells uh, Gwen tells Peter to magnetize his web shooter so they can reset the power back uh, back up and beat. Max. He goes, magnetize, that's right. And Peter and Gwen go over a cop car and he's battered, magnetize web slingers. But before Gwen can step over with him, uh, he webs her hand to the, the trunk and he's like, I have to leave you behind. Shout out, shout out to smart, capable Gwen in this movie. Again, it was one of the highlights of the first one. It's one of the highlights of this one is that, hey, like the people around Spider-Man are supposed to be his support system mm-hmm. and are supposed to help him. And that's one of the things that we lost in the Raimi trilogy because they wanted to do 60s sad alone mm-hmm. Spider-Man. I just love I just love that Gwen is not just here to be kidnapped. Is she going to be kidnapped? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not why she's here. Right. Now, this next thing that happens, I'll say it, is probably my favorite moment in any of these movies up, up until this point. He swings away and she's so pissed at him. She goes, Peter! And it covers her mouth. And it covers her mouth! I love that bit! That's, that's, what the, that's what you do. That was that is exactly what you would do if someone just left you behind like that. Like, did you like that? That would be dude. The casual, <sighs> like the casual way. He's just like, all right, let's go, dude. You're coming with me. You're coming with me. Just uh, close the thing. Like the way it's so casual and like, sorry, I love you. Don't hate me. Yeah, here's the deal, guys. This is one of those moments where I read this back last time we did this, but I didn't remember when I reread it. I was surprised for the first time again, and I loved it. This was an accident. This was uh, real Emma Stone. She was supposed to say Spider-Man, but she says Peter, and her covering her up, Mark Webb was like, got the shot. That's That's it. That's the most authentic real thing. That is so much better, and holy crap. Yeah, because Spider-Man didn't do that. My dumb boyfriend, Peter, who does shit like this, does that. I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, Then we cut over Aunt May in the hospital for no reason. Also, there's airplanes that are going to collide with each other, and it becomes my heart, too. New York in trouble. We didn't see it in the first one. We need to see New Yorkers in trouble. I get what they were going for. I don't mind it. Uh, Gwen cuts herself loose as Spidey and Electro start going at it. And you know what? That magnetization trick worked. Uh, Can we talk about Electro? Did we get to Electro's 
did we get to electrospace on the building? Not yet. Okay. Well, maybe we didn't. I mean, you know what I'm Yeah, I was on the way there. I'm let sorry. Me I'm tell you about, that let so me cool. tell you about the face on the building. Let me tell me about that. This, this final battle between Peter and Electro gets really abstract in a way that I have not seen since the original Ang Lee Hulk at the end. Oh. Yeah. You remember when oh, it all just turns yeah. into a just into a in whirl of lightning yeah. and dads and that. kids arguing and stuff? Because I was, just, and it's just like, Ang Lee, are you sure you don't want to show the Hulk maybe throw a punch or something right here? No, it's about family emo- Like it's just it's just a metaphor. It's just a metaphor. Who the fuck's talking right now? So like when you. When you see Electro on the building, and then Electro turns into, like, the same trail that the pigeons leave in Spider-Man PS4, and I'm just like, Electro, what is the nature of your power, and what is Spider-Man fighting right now? Because... Clearly, it's not something Spider-Man should be fighting. Dude, I, mean, no, look, what is I, it? I think it, it's earned. I think it's a little too... Like, it's cartoony, but like I think they commit to the cartooniness, and I think that mm-hmm. that results in a fucking dope-ass fight scene of them flying through the grid and him being this kind of ethereal, just electricity. They went for it. They went yeah. for it, and I, I, I just really don't appreciate understand, it. I don't understand what makes him able to be ethereal in some moments and not ethereal in others. And like if you, Like a lot of this movie, if you stop too much to think... It's going to get you. You know so what I mean? The only thing I don't like about this end fight uh, specifically is how it does feel like a major jump from Spider-Man, this Spider-Man, fighting Rhino-type bad guys and the Lizard, which seemed like the biggest deal. You can probably feel in that he's fought some other guys, too. But, like, that seems like a very, very big big deal. Yeah. This seems like a whole other level where, like, this is electricity, bro. Like, this is some shit that will just, like, fry your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy, yeah, he's that. turned into a god. He gets faces on the building. But like, like just that. watching this, I'm just watching the the shot right here. Right, he's just he's turned the lights on in in the rooms to make his face right. Yeah, and there's this lovely moment where it's, it gets slow mo as you see this tiny little Spider Man going toward this building, and he just shoots his web over to a water tower and just quickly like pulls himself over, and it's so cool. Like that yeah. one shot where he's like, and and. One of the issues I always have, you know, I always have with with stories I had it with Mandalorian. I have it with some of these movies too. Is like, you know, he doesn't get to emote that much, which they fix in the Homecoming. But like this, you feel it. You're like, oh, this is exactly what you guys are talking about. This is an overwhelming, insurmountable villain that he's about to square off against. Um, and him and Gwen fucking play his ass. It's awesome using science. They do. They use science. Uh, we'll skip ahead a little bit there. Of course, they go over. Gwen, uh, he gets, uh, he fights Electro, Electro gets a better of him. Gwen comes in the cop car, beats uh, Electro's ass with that, uh, and then she's like, listen, again, this is my choice. You don't get to make these choices for you. I'm here. I'm making this choice to help you. I'm going to go set the, he goes, fine, go set the breaker, and when I give you the signal, no matter what happens, you throw it. Of course, uh, Peter has to do all the web stuff with the, the who, who's he was that's in the cables, and he makes an arc, and he, makes, and he completes the thing, and then Electro shocks him, and he goes, now, and then the shock reverses and explodes Electro. Uh, it's, so, it's so good. I will say this. As much as, as much as I do feel like it's a little abstract, and I'm a little confused about the nature of, like, what Electro can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Fuck if they didn't figure out how to do a Spider-Man action sequence by the end of this one. Oh, they did. This, yeah. This is wild. I'm he's swinging. It. He's running. He's fighting. It's great. There are well, it. there are two things in this that are that are weird to me. Number one, the itsy bitsy spider playing on the on the fucking towers. I don't like it. I I know you do. I know you do. It's I don't like it. I don't like it. I 
I know you do. It's fine. That's a little weird to me, but I do at the same time like that when Max is talking through the grid, it's like VU meters on like, like audio cool. meters. That part's cool. I love That's that. kind of neat. And I guess I can't like one without liking the other because they come from like the same idea and the same, the same cloth, logic for yeah. sure. Uh, and also, Captain Stacy is there again. Oh yeah, we see the we see the for a long time. That's huh. a lot of Captain Stacy. We Rescue understand me. the stakes right now. Who the fuck is talking? Me. But the fun ain't over yet, ladies and gentlemen. As the action subsides for a second, who do we hear? Ah, 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 ah. That's right. It's the Joker from Suicide Squad. No, Whoa. it's Zane DeHaan dressed as Madame Hooch, dressed as the Goblin. Man, swinging a miss on this makeup. Who the fuck let this, this be the final look? This fucking you know what, sucks so bad. You know what's sad is that the armor is cool as shit. The armor is dope. I like the glider. I like the idea of what they were going for. But the I, he he really does turn into like a little magical troll nymph boy. You know what I mean? Like yep. they went too hard on the fucking Grimm's fairy tales of this. Somebody Googled they, Goblin and found the wrong picture. They found a fairy. Yeah. You're like, oh, that makes and sense. And like, <laughs> I, like pulled back and like, yeah, oh, very wow. strange. Anyway, uh, Goblin, Stupid. to his credit though, puts two and two together. He sees Peter, he sees Spider-Man, he sees Gwen, he goes, all right, uh, Spider-Man's Peter Parker. And he's like, you you don't give people hope, you take it away, and I'm going to take your hope away. He grabs Gwen and hoists her up, and he's like, let her go. And he's like, fine, let her go. On the clock tower, we get the whole clock metaphor talking about the foreshadowing. And, of course, she falls through along with a couple bombs. This whole sequence is awesome and gut-wrenching. Incredible. Peter's trying to save her. He's got her on a web. He's trying to stop the clock uh, gears from cutting the web, and it doesn't work. And, of course, uh, it ends up, I think, strangling Dane DeHaan and and choking him out as Gwen falls, and he dives down after her. And I don't care what you guys say. I like when he spits the web and a little slight bit of a hand tries to grab, reach out to her. It's very literal. I was looking for it, and I saw it, and I see what you're talking about, but it didn't bug me, I think, as much as it bugged y'all. I saw it, and I was I like, understand why it bugs people. Mo. Yeah. I, and I wish they hadn't done it, but it doesn't bother me either. Of course, Yo. it took her a split second before she hits the ground and snaps her spine. Is that correct? Dude, can oh, I no. say? No, no. This no, one, she hits the ground. Oh, she actually yeah, crosses the okay. ground. Oh, yeah. And it's fucking, it's a Again, violent as hell. I had, a, I had that question about that. I, I didn't know. Because I was trying to freeze frame it, I wasn't sure what that was. But yeah, I guess it's very quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, the um, thud. Can I say, gentlemen? I Please think, do. I think this is the single greatest Spider-Man scene put on film. Maybe. I. I. I, I would argue that the him in the alley with with Jorge is up there. And we're gonna. Uh, and the end of this movie too. But yeah. But but no, I mean, I, this is so fucking incredibly good. And then wow. of course Peter lands, and he whispers in his ear. Guess you're not going to need that one-way ticket to England after all. Jesus Christ, Nick. Fucking A, I did it. I didn't care. I wrote it in here. I wrote it in here, and I said, don't say this joke, Nick, in parentheses. I I mean, they're right, but who the fuck is talking? It's gut-wrenching. I, I got a couple things to say about this scene real quick. Yeah, first yeah, first yeah. up, there's some funny Easter eggs here. Uh, we got the, the the clock tower's hand land on 121, which is the issue that Gwen Stacy's death happens. Also, this happens 121 minutes into this film. Coincidence? Whoa. I don't know. But that's kind of fun. But I love this. This entire scene is so good, not just because they finally did it and they did it well, but they played with our expectations. We see her fall like five different times and get kind of saved, and you're like, they're not going to do it. Oh, are they going to do it? They're not going to do it. Oh, they are going to do it. And then they did it in the most brutal fucking way possible. And I love that they they don't do the movie thing. They don't give her the chance to have last words. She was 
fucking gone. gone. When Peter gets down there and he's looking at her, he's like, she's gone. There's like, there's, there's no chance that she's coming back. No comic book bullshit. That is so fucking cool to me. And on top of that, the entire fight with the goblin, dog, goblin fucking sucks. We all understand it. Let's imagine he had a fantastic backstory. It was all, all great. That wasn't there. But this fight is so sick. And the way, go back, everybody, and watch this and only look at how Spider-Man uses his webs. It is so cool. And the fact that there are set pieces that feel like it's adding to the clock tower. He shoots webs all over. They stay there, and then he uses all of them as he fights the goblin. It is so damn sick. Mark Webb had, you know, these are the things that he was building up. These are the things that we were talking about where it's like, okay, Spider-Man, feet and hands sticky. Right, got it. Let's use that. Let's make sure that happens. He knows, like, what he has in his own arsenal. Mm -hmm. But also, the clock tower, other than being, listen, I love an on-the-nose metaphor sometimes more than anybody else. It's fine, the clock tower ticking down to Gwen's death. It's fine. But, like, the use of the clock tower to show Spider-Man struggling in a battle in a way that I don't think we had seen up until this point. He's got his foot up against one gear and he's pushing. He's trying to hold on to like this one strand that's got Mary Jane, or sorry, Gwen. And he's got like, he's struggling. He's got, like, you feel like Spider-Man is going to lose. Like you feel it. And that's Mm -hmm. not something I think I've felt in any of these action scenes before. Not realistically, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Then of course we cut over to another funeral full of, with a bunch of comps. And, man, at this point, I feel like Mrs. Stacy has really good reason to have a vendetta against Spider-Man. Uh, and then there's a sad uh, group of shots here where Peter's standing at Gwen's grave, and it goes through all the seasons, and I love this. I love this sequence. Uh, and then we cut over, and, of course, everyone's favorite character, the gentleman, comes in to visit Harry, and he's like, hey, man, how you be? I see you're healing pretty good. And Harry goes, it comes and goes. <laughs> I'm like, does it? <laughs> well, how, explain the nature of your power, Goblin. Yeah, how does it come? And, and he's like, how's the, how's the finish with six stuff going? And the gentleman's like, I'm putting together a little team. It's going to be great. We're going to take over the city. Uh, everything is, that we need is at Oscorp. And then they have a gnarly set of octopus arms and some cool flying wings and just a just a giant, super versatile, just unbelievably versatile rhinoceros suit. Yeah, just like rhinos in nature. <laughs> exactly. That With your Gatling guns. Uh, Aunt May and Peter watch news reports of the disappearance of Spider-Man. Aunt May tells Peter he needs to be, she's like, that. we need Spider-Man back, basically. You it need sure to find a better a shame place. that spider guy is gone. Yeah. And he's like, I get it, Aunt May. And then, she's, he, and then she's packing up a bunch of Ben stuff. He's like, what are you doing? She goes, I'm finding, he goes, throwing that out. He goes, no, I'm not throwing it out. I'm finding a better place for it. Uh, take one last look and then put it where it belongs. And Peter's like, I get you, Aunt May. You're, you're, you're playing chess out there. Uh, Peter finally watches Gwen's speech from graduation. Here is an exact trans, uh, transcript from it, Tim. Uh, there will be dark days ahead of us, too. There will be days when we, when you feel alone. And that's when, we, when hope is needed most. Hold on to hope. Keep it alive. Don't stop being Spider-Man. Jorge needs you. People need hope. We must not. Why do we fall so that we must pick ourselves up? Life is like a box of chocolates with great power and great obligations. Mm-hmm. Martha. There it is. Uh, man, it's so long. It's too long. Too long. It's What's too long. Especially doing? since we heard the entire thing in the beginning. Yeah. Like, it's a lot. Uh, and then Peter watches while a really interesting and kind of terrible rhino takes to the streets to wreak havoc on Midtown. I am rhino. I told you I would be back. Man, this is this is like the Paul Giamatti in the suit looks almost as bad, if not worse, than Mark Buffalo in the whole buster. If this suit looked better, if this suit didn't look the way this suit looks, I wouldn't mind crazy over-the-top Paul Giamatti rhino. I think it's that the payoff is this fucking suit. Yeah, that's That's the problem. Like, but 
Like I everything in so this much. fucking movie. Why do you love this suit? Tim put please. the asterisk. Tim put the asterisk Fiend. on the suit. Right. You can't have this moment that comes next without this terrible moment that comes before. And this is Mark Webb's magic. Because Jorge is there and he's in his little Spider Man costume and he just walks out in the middle of the street and puts the mask on and squares off against this hulking monolithic robot rhino. And the crowd goes silent as we we don't see him. We hear it first. We hear Peter swing in and land behind Jorge. But what I want to say here, before we get to the Peter thing, is there's something about the characterization of Alexi. Alexi doesn't just gun down this kid. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. we're, Alexi, Alexi is not that guy. Like, we're still seeing, like, a dude who's not, like, a Green Goblin supervillain. This is a guy who's a thug in a suit, and I do like that they show that off. He's not going to kill a kid. And, of course, Peter says, hey, Spider-Man. Thanks for stepping up for me. I'm going to take care of this jerk. You go take care of your mom. And then jumps on top of the cop car as someone just t- – I mean, this is a can't hardly wait moment, and I know you didn't watch it. There's a moment where the, the, the door kid uh, jumps back up after falling out, and someone yeah. just tosses in the mic and keeps saying Paradise City. That is exactly what this is. Dude, and he just, the way he catches the mic and he does this, like, spin yeah. with his arm, like, winding up, like, getting ready for the fight, it is so fucking authentically Spider-Man. And he says, on behalf of the fine people of New York City and real rhinos everywhere, I ask that you put your mechanical paws in the air. And then Spidey grabs a manhole cover and just rips Rhino's head off with it. The end. Love that shot. Love now, that now shot. Now here's the thing. Now, now taking the pin out of it going back. I do not love this suit. I'm not defending this suit. I am defending this Rhino in this scene. And I think that the, this movie featuring a similar fight, both with different versions of the Rhino in the beginning and the end, and the mm-hmm. way that Jorge has his journey. I think that the rhino is the butt of the joke. I think even in this world, he is a joke. And he is, yeah. like, over the top. And, like, Peter Parker's just like, whatever. I don't give a fuck about you. Even though you're in this crazy tank of a goddamn suit, I'm so confident I can take you down and your missiles with a manhole cover. All right? Like, fuck you. I just love it. I think it backs up this Jorge moment so well. And then the score just swells. And you hit it, and boom, amazing Spider-Man. You see the reverse shot of the spider coming out. It is so goddamn good. I've probably watched the end of this movie more than any other scene in any of the Spider-Man movies. I fucking love it. And I love but I the, love how he's... the XL and Junkie XL. You know what totally I mean? Totally does. Takes the junk out, puts the XL in. I love that as the missile is shooting toward him, he webs. He's swinging around, and he webs the the manhole cover and swings it and it deflects one of the, the missiles as it comes right back around the rhino's skull and you're like Alexi is dead he just murdered that man and I'm okay with it and then dope ass Alicia Keys Kendrick Lamar song plays and we're done uh, a couple facts for you that are, are fine uh, when this movie was first shown in theaters I will never forget that a mid credit te- mid credit teaser was shown the reason they didn't have the Sinister Six little bit that they had uh, with the, the gentleman that was the end of the movie as a mid-credits is uh, Mark Webb fucked up. He had a deal with Fox that he had to do a movie with them, and he did this movie instead. So to make up for that, a trailer for X-Men Days of Future Past played. Not a trailer, a clip of Days of Future Past played at the end of this movie. Um, and if you guys didn't experience this yourselves, it was extremely weird and extremely jarring to be watching Amazing Spider-Man 2, waiting for a post credit scene because we were trained to do this by 2014, mm-hmm. and then seeing Mystique come out. It was like, what the fuck is happening? And then it was like, oh, no, this is just a... How does this make sense? A Sony movie promoting a Fox movie? Crazy fucking shit. It was wild. The theater went insane. That's That's, very strange. 
Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's really, really damn weird. That would have that would have confused me and led me to believe that maybe there was a crossover movie coming in a way Absolutely. that I they should not have done. Yeah, there were a lot of disappointed people. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. There was a crossover movie coming. We just haven't gotten it yet. We haven't gotten yeah. it yet. So the, other, the other fun thing I saw today that I don't think I've heard before, uh, an alternate unused draft of the screenplay had Gwen surviving the, the fall. She is critically injured, however. In order to save her life, Spider-Man performs an emergency transfusion using his own blood. As a side effect, this endows her with powers similar to Peter Parker. The oh, final man. scene against the Rhino has her coming out in the Spider-Gwen costume. That would have been uh, Joining Spider-Man, and everyone's freaking out, and she says she's the White Widow, and then it ends. Yeah. And that could have been cool. I like this ending better, but that could have been cool. And this ending's better, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd heard that, that in Spider, in, if the Spider-Man 3 had happened, she was going to be like Spider-Gwen. And I was like, that's... A lot. I mean, the, the, the thing about this, as, as we're like kind of thinking about, as we're kind of thinking about this whole thing, and wrapping it up, there is a lot of pushing you can tell from Sony to build out this Sinister Six, build out this Spider-Man universe real quick, and it harms this movie. But I think it's—I think in some ways that people don't give it credit for, it also helps this movie a little bit, if that makes sense. Totally. Like the like adding in Felicia, Felicia Hardy, like the idea that like maybe we should throw MJ in there, pushing forward the beginning of the Sinister Six, and like ratcheting up the evilness of Oscorp, I think kind of in a lot of ways works to this movie's credit than its detriment. I think it, I think it definitely would have worked to the third movie's credit. Mm -hmm. I don't think it necessarily does here because I, I think we needed a lot more of that in the first one. I think there needed to be, you know, anytime that you get a little bit of forethought, I think really goes a long way for comic book movies. Um, but having said that, again, there's just so much of this movie that I did enjoy that when, when I remember being in the theaters, not even being a huge Spider-Man, like Sinister Six fan, and seeing Doc Ock's arms being like, those look cooler than the other ones. I want to see that. Uh, yeah, it kind of it kind of worked for me at the time. My my thing with it overall, and especially after talking to you guys about this for as long as we did, and I love you all so much, is I think that this movie is, it feels like so many movies in one, but really it is two movies in one trying to do a lot of different things. One of those movies is a very over-the-top, cartoony, live-action take on Spider-Man that we haven't seen before, like way more than the, the Raimi trilogy. Then on the other side, we have the very serious Amazing Spider-Man 1 style of storytelling, and I feel like both of those are done very well, but they're also doing the other thing, which means that they both come off very bad when they're yeah. next to each other, and the cartoony stuff's like, yo, this doesn't fucking work. But if it was only that, it would work really well, and the same could be said for the other side. So that leaves it in this really, really, really awkward place that I think does make it a bad movie, but a good experience, and yeah, I don't know, but Nick... Can you hit me with haiku in review? Seven syllables in the middle. You got five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to sweat it. Haikus, they don't need to rhyme. Haiku in review. Hey, it's haiku in review. Everybody, let's stop. You can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny to write your review in haiku form. Zade Wilson writes in and says, so much potential. Toby and Emma are great. For you, no thank you. Thank you, man, Andrew. Uh, Jeremy Zuccarello <laughs> says, Max just wanted friends. Science eels bit him instead. They fixed his gap tooth. Uh, Jules Buonato says, Movie is so-so. Should have been just Electro. Why Goblin's nose grow? 
Uh, Andrew Feister coming in with a fucking epic here. We got we got a haiku for like each element of the movie. Uh, the goblin disease. His life is up on its lease. He needs that blood, please. His demands direct. Don't worry, he won't inject. Please, Spidey, deflect. Secrets now are told, but now he's ripped from the fold. Time for something bold. He knows his way out. Electro can't do without. Back to take his clout. Take him to the stuff. Venom was not up to snuff. Oof, now he looks rough. Mm-hmm. Snatch Gwen from the street. So her drop is his defeat. Still got his ass beat. Damn. And finally, wow. Ignacio Rojas comes in and says, For you, ooh, for you. Yeah. Baby, I'm not <laughs> moving on. Nope. Put this number one. <laughs> there you go, Ignacio Rojas. Oh, my God. You got to love it. What an adventure this rewatch has been. I love watching all these movies. I think that's my favorite thing about this is it makes me realize how much I just love Spider-Man. <laughs> and Spider-Man movies, good or bad and anything in between. <sighs> but there was, It was wonderful. I honestly, I learned something about myself. I I'm learned something about Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I just, who knew? Who knew how much I loved this movie? I'm happy, that, I'm happy that you got to learn. And now we get to come back for Spider-Man Homecoming. And then Hell Far yeah. From Home. This is going to be so exciting. I will, encourage, we, I will encourage you, Tim. This is Dennis Leary in the corner mm-hmm. down here. Um, okay, I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do, the, do the extra credit. Do Civil mm-hmm. War. Because his mm-hmm. introduction, that's what I did uh, last week, was like watch Civil War. And just for his introduction into the MCU yeah. is just... So fucking top tier. So I'll tell you that. I will tell you, I already did. Because when, yeah. Disney Plus, when Disney Plus added all of the, the IMAX versions to mm-hmm. the oh, let me movies, tell you, watching Infinity War? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. But watch fucking Civil War. That yeah. airport scene. Okay. Like, essentially, watch from Spider-Man's introduction till the end of the airport. Until his, his like, uh... Exit. Yeah, it's 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 so goddamn good. But anyways, uh, we won't be doing that for the rewatch. That's an extra credit for everyone out there. We will be doing Homecoming. We will be doing Far From Home. And then we will do Spider-Man No Way Home. Very exciting stuff. But before that, remember, Matrix 1, do your homework the Monday after, or, yeah, live for the Patreon Monday after Thanksgiving for everyone else on Tuesday. Paris Lilly will be joining us for that. That is very exciting. Uh, but until next time, Anthony, where can people find you? Oh, my stars. You can find me everywhere on the Internet at A Carboni, except for on Twitch, where I'm at Anthony Carboni. Twitch, you cowards, it's mine. Give it back to me. Every Friday, you can find me on my science comedy podcast with Jeff Kanata called We Have Concerns. Uh, that's at wehaveconcerns.com. Gotta love it. Nick, where can people find you? People can find me right here on YouTube.com slash kind of funny or on Twitch.tv slash kind of funny games where I play with Snowbike Mike and Andy and the likes of all of us almost every day of the week, Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock. Come check us out. I'm Dennis Leary. Where can people find you? Rescue me. <laughs> you say in the corner. Until next time, I'll rescue you all. Bye. Thanks for swinging by. What's up and welcome back to Kind of Funny Spider-Man in Review Rewatch, where we are rewatching all 
of the Spider-Man movies leading into Spider-Man No Way Home in just two weeks. Of course, I'm Tim Gettys, joined by the new face of video games, Forbes 30 Under 30, Blessing at AOEA Jr. What's up, Tim? It's the first time I got to interview you that way. That's kind of fun. How's it feel? It feels good, dude. 30 Under 30, bros, man. Yeah. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Joining us as well, straight out of Texas, it's the one and only making his return, Andy Cortez. It's about damn time. It's about damn time someone can right the wrongs of this in-review list. Oh, shut your mouth forever. Weren't you there the first time? Yeah, I was. (laughs) (laughs) But but I'm really sad that I missed Spider-Man 3 in-review because I wanted to come on here and be like, Ugh, the first bad Raimi Spider-Man movie. Terror. I mean, luckily, the other ones are so perfect and so flawless across the board. <laughs> this is the first one with the bad stuff. Andy, they call that trolling, I think. And also, <laughs> Spider-Man 3, overhated. I'll go ahead and say it. Oh, overhated. Okay. Got as much bad stuff as the other ones. You saw any? You, you, forfeited, your, you forfeited your opinions. <laughs> I wasn't there the first time, Anthony. That was all them. That's true. We have the producer slash producer, Nick Scarpino. Hello, Tim. Top of the evening to you, Nick. Top of the evening to you. And rounded out, our full cast of Spider-Boys for the first time in a couple weeks, we have the one and only Anthony Carboni. Tim, it's not just a pleasure to be here because it's always a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be here with just two young money millionaire titans of industry. Thank you. Just right here, recognized by Forbes and anointed. Now, it's bless, just, I've never been in such an influential room in my life. Bless, let me introduce you, Thank you to the, the rest of your life, um, <laughs> which is going to be getting a lot of – No, well, there's that. There's that. But, and that's, that's a cool thing. Yeah. The, the bad side is the amount of either spam, scam, or people that are actually in need, tweets that you're going to get of people asking mm-hmm. you for money just because – you're related to the word Forbes in any way. Mm-hmm. The amount of people are just like, hey, I'm going through some stuff. Can you send me $100? And I'm looking and I'm like, y'all don't, you don't know who I yeah. am. You don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, this like, isn't Forbes richest Forbes. people. Yeah, yeah. This is not, like, I'm not <laughs> in the financial not. category. It's funny yeah. because I, I, I me and uh, the homie Victoria, who's also in the games 30 under 30, we're going through and just looking at the other categories to see like, oh, yeah, who else was included in this? And we go, like, to the science section, and it's people who actually have a huge impact on the world. But, yeah, yeah this person is doing their work to cure, cure world hunger. And you go over to, like, Hollywood and entertainment, and it's like, oh, yeah, Mar- Miranda 